I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. to the republic for which it stands under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all coming and it's not going to be pretty. It's great to have storable food, but when that runs out, what are you going to do? Your best defense against the coming apocalypse is to have seeds so you can grow your own food. So I've been looking for various different seeds for the last couple of years and off the bat, almost all seed companies are the same as long as they're non-GMO, heirloom, yada, yada, but it's the following years that really concern me. So I bought a whole bunch of seeds last year. And when you get seeds, there's, there's a lot of seeds in a pack, a whole lot. You're probably not gonna use them all if you have a small garden. So you wanna make sure they last again the following year. So the best company I found for these seeds is called Survival Essentials. And when you go on their webpage, it says, your best defense against the coming apocalypse. So go to survival-essentials.com, save 10% with promo code DEFIANT and get ready because we're gonna need to eat. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't trust the food in the grocery store anymore. I don't trust it unless I can plant the seed with my own hands and watch it grow with my own eyes and know where it's coming from and feed it to my family. So survival-essentials.com, promo code DEFIANT, saves you 10%. It's time to resist. They can't arrest us all. And they can't keep all your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and feckless bureaucrats. We can simply say no, not again. The only way to stop these mandates is to refuse to comply. 
refuse to show vaccine passports, refuse to wear a mask, refuse to stay at home. We will not comply with Fauci. We will not comply with Joe Biden. And we will not comply with authoritarian governors. I am not going to comply. This ends now. Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the Word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army. I am enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I am a soldier. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. Because I am a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. Because I am a soldier. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, candy, or give me handouts. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I am committed. I am a soldier. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. I will win. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Devils cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I am a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me, for when my commander calls me from this battlefield, he will promote me to captain and then allow me to rule with him. I am a soldier in the army. I am marching. I am claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I am a soldier. dream the other night. I didn't understand. A figure walking through the mist with a rifle in his hand. His clothes were torn and dirty as he stood there by the bed. He took off his three-cornered hat and speaking low, he said, We fought a revolution to secure your liberty. We wrote the Constitution as a shield from tyranny. 
For future generations, this legacy we gave to make you the land of the free and home of the brave. The freedoms we secured for you, we thought you'd always keep. But tyrants labor endlessly while your parents were asleep. Now your freedom's gone. Your courage is lost. You're no more than a slave in your land of the free and home of the brave. You buy permits to travel, permits to own a gun, permits to start a business or build a place for one. On land you think you own, you pay your yearly rent. But you don't have a voice in saying how that money's spent. Now your children attend a school that doesn't educate and your Christian values can't be taught according to the state. You read about your current news in a regulated press and pay more taxes than you owe to that thing called IRS. Your money's no longer made of silver or of gold. You trade your wealth for paper so your life can be controlled. And you pay for crimes that make your nation turn from God in shame. Now you've taken Satan's number and traded in your name. You give your government control to those who could do you harm so they could padlock churches and steal the family farm and keep the nation deep in debt while putting men of faith in jail and then harass your fellow countrymen while your corrupt courts prevail. Your public servants don't uphold the solemn oath they've sworn. And now your daughters visit doctors so their children won't be born. You send guns and artillery to foreign shore, and then you send your youth to slaughter, fighting other people's wars. Could you regain the freedoms for which we fought and died, or have you lost your courage and your faith to stand with pride? Are there no more values for which you fight to save? Or do you wish your children to live in fear and be a slave? And people of this republic, it's time to rise and take a stand. Defend the Constitution, the supreme law of your land. Preserve your great republic and every God-given right. And let us pray to God to keep that torch of freedom burning bright. to recruit for a militia. God save King George! Broadcasting live and live to Patriot Control of America. You're listening to the Patriot Party Podcast. Now on the show, the chair is against the wall. The muskrat jumps over the berm. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. 
remember. All I'm offering is the truth, nothing more.
Welcome back, fuckers, <laughs> to another edition of the Patriot Party Podcast. I am the Mick, and with me, of course, is my much better beloved better half. V. Lynn. Hello, Patriot. And she ain't that positive, folks. Stop that. I mean, that's not she's true. About as, she's about as positive as a bad battery. I mean, I tell you, the world's going to end, but I do it with a smile on my face. <laughs> That's like telling you to fuck off and have a nice trip on your way there. Well, I'm a New Yorker. What do you want? Hey, you know, it is a God-given right. Exactly. It is a God-given talent that we have. Exactly. Ah, oh, the news, the news, the <sighs> news. So what's going on, fuckers? Hmm. What's up? How was your day? Yeah. My ADHD kicked in today. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I just had to clear off Leona's bed. But I needed to clean the rest of the office I needed, at the same time well, so i needed to make room for the stuff that was on lion's bed in the studio closet which meant i needed to take all the boxes out of the studio closet but then i needed to find room for the boxes somewhere else so that's how i ended up moving furniture around in liam's room <laughs> don't ask it was epic re retardation liam has a gigantic closet it's like the size of my first apartment i'm not even kidding and uh so we had a whole furniture set in there so i moved it out and put it into his room which is gigantic it's bigger than our bedroom but it doesn't have its own bathroom so he gets it i think it used to be the living room in this house anyway well, it, i think it used to be a dental office whatever um so uh so i now liam has two full sets of furniture in his room and still plenty of space in there and um and he was like you took over my closet i said yeah he was like yes i'm not responsible for it anymore <laughs> Punk bitch. I was like, uh, get your ass in there and clean it anyway <laughs> damn it so uh so yeah so i i was running and but the studio is very clean it is um well, i have to it's a little i have better. to finish better i have to finish i have to yeah. vacuum and you know finish mopping and stuff but it's it's done and I, I was washing sheets and pillows and all kinds of stuff. I did like six loads of laundry and the dishes and set up the uh the freaking portable grill thing. Oh, the blackstone. Yeah, yes. the blackstone. But that she I, found out that it was it needs propane. A, it needs a propane, which is even better because when the power goes out, then we don't have to worry about hooking that shit up to the generator. We just need propane. Oh, shit. So yeah. Um It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was fun. I was running around like a crazy person. So already. All day. So about how about you fuckers? Hopefully you're all having a good day. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm having a good day because my day started out with this gem that I saw on Twitter. And I want to get right into Seriously, it. He sent me this shit at like 7 30 this morning. I was like, and you're fucking kidding me already. This is epic. And um first first and foremost, um, my my truck drivers out there this is a epic alert please pay attention to this video if you need to pull your rig over and sit on the side of the road so you can watch this with full attention i want you to watch this with full attention but if you know this gentleman please put him in touch with us i'd love to interview him i bet he's got a real great take on what's going on today check this out this guy's epic What's up, America? I got to have a little discussion with you today. I'm coming after some heads today. You want to know why? Because I had an epiphany. You know, as I'm sitting here doing my job, I'm a truck driver. I'm out on the road delivering goods and services to people all around, all around the fucking country. You know what I do in my spare time is I listen to podcasts. 
And I'm only going to come after the people that I listen to because I see a pattern here. So I listen to Dan Bongino. I listen to Tim Pool. I listen to Steven Crowder. I listen to all these men, Alex Jones, all of them. And the pattern is, is what happens is they build up this huge audience and they get us all riled up because the administration is corrupt, right? The administration has taken millions from China, from Russia, from here, from there. And they get us all riled up. And then what comes next? Oh, well, you got to buy our coffee. You have to buy our shirts. You have to subscribe to the channel. You have to do this. You have to do that. It's all a fucking fraud. It's all a fucking scheme to get money, to make money. While us regular Americans, we, we're out here working nine to five every day just to put food on the table. So Steve, Tim, Dan Bongino, all my favorite guys. What are you guys doing to advance the American, the American reputation? I mean, are you guys building outposts to get ready to do something? Are you guys building outposts to prepare people for the worst? Because I am. I've literally built three camps, three outposts that can hold upwards of 60,000 people. People, that is a military, that is an army. Large enough, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm building another one. This is the type of shit that I'm committed to. This is why I feel Americans have become soft. All these people that have millions of followers, millions of followers, so much influence. And what are they doing? They're asking you to buy their shit. So stop being fooled and stop being weak. America is going to need an army to do what needs to be done, period. Okay, so the... The first reason I, I I want you truck drivers to pay attention to that is a he said a magic number in there, and that magic number told me that I have to get in touch with him. Sixty thousand. Somebody needs to do me a favor and get me in touch with this gentleman. A for that, but B I want him to listen to our show because I agree, dude. And Lindsay, you're damn right. He is dead on. He sees it just like I do. The same shit I say. Uh, apparently, Bongino was on Crowder today. Oh, and yeah? Crowder was on Bongino today. Oh. Crowder's actually a lot funnier than Bongino. Oh, yeah. Well, Bongino's not funny at all. But he's, he's all right. He has no, some. He has moments. No, he doesn't. Okay. Anyway, Crowder was uh, actually pretty hysterical, but... It was funny to listen to the differences uh, in the podcasters. It was very interesting where Bongino's got a very regimented show. Crowder was everywhere, but he always came back to the same point, which is hysterical. So I always, it was actually quite funny, but uh, he could definitely dance his ass off around, but Bongino couldn't keep up with him. I got a feeling that if we had to sit down with him, we would fucking run circles around him. Yeah. Absolutely, because he's our, one of those guys do that do research. a regimented. He, he has to do it left, right, left, and he he can't stray from that. 
And when you stray from that with anybody who does a show left, right, left, man, let me tell you something. You stray from that, and they're, they're fucked up. They can't handle it. Look what look what happened when Justin destroyed fucking Clay, Clay Clark. Clark. Yep. Clay Clark was completely expect, expecting to talk about his eight books that he sold for $20 million. And Justin completely fucked that up when he kicked the book the back right in his face. And he said, fuck you. We're not here to talk about your book, dude. We're here to talk about this shit. Why I'm not allowed to talk. I'm not allowed to be at your fucking convention. Get the See, fuck now, out of here. And there's a thin line. Because understand on one hand like we sell electroculture antennas and we have sponsors that we promote on here because it's how we pay the internet bill and put some food on the table since I'm not working I basically do this full time grow our food and make antennas and research the podcast I do 12 shows a week However, we're sure as shit not making enough money to build a huge fucking compound in West Virginia. Or a studio in Southern Florida. Exactly. A $6.8 million studio in Southern Florida. If we were to move and set up some kind of a compound, we would do what that guy's doing. We, And that's kind of what we're planning on setting up a camp to house survivors. Survivors from what's coming or survivors for what they've already been through, which will help prepare them for what's coming. But either way, I have a feeling when Dan Bongino and Tim Poole and Alex Jones are confronted with the veil parting they're gonna scurry away in fear and they shall be consumed remember god tells you stand still look up stand west, still look up west virginia's in the mountains and that's kind of going to be fucked so well, georgia's on the coast and we're kind of going to be fucked no. well didn't break hey no 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 no, no. yeah no but okay so and let's let's do that real quick because that's um that's interesting let's see if i can move this over here Uh, i don't think you can you got to move the whole thing over there yeah i think so and then you might be able to set it up as a screen okay Let's see if this will let me. <laughs> I think this will do it. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to have any music or any No, it, audio. it should because it did it the last time I did it this way. So tell tell me if you guys can hear this. Yeah.
so essentially this is saying that the countdown basically started today well eleven ten. or well okay i don't know how they got that there's no evidence there i know they're they're there's, talking about an ink the ingersoll lockwood decode yeah and then they're trying to link q into that but no get out because there's no there's I, no substance to that yeah that's that wasn't the one i was looking for anyway hold on well, I'm glad. Oh, because, here, here it is. Holy shit. Yeah, that's the one that Liana yeah, played this morning. I know. I pulled it off her channel. <laughs> I thieved it straight from her. Completely hey, dead. We don't... We, only sometimes do we do original shit. Most of the times... No, no. Content stolen. curators, remember? All right, here we go. Sure, whatever that means. Oh, you need to turn that up. Yeah. It means we take other people's content and we play <laughs> it, it our own. but we don't claim it to be our own. So no. Okay. Go. I need you to hold on because this video might be the difference in life and death for your family. She went to this website here, Ingersoll Lockwood, a very prominent family and company for the United States. Back, you can back. see that they work with space force. But down here, know who this is. there is a little rabbit. You have to just barely, pay, you have to pay attention to see it. But you have a rabbit that pops up. You see the sand, the, the, the time clock with the sands. And you'll see this. Decoding this is this. 11, 16, 23. Mm. Something from the skies are going to hit the firmament. And waters are going to start to flow. But that 241 means this is a rabbit. Rabbits are known for running. You're running out of time. Once again, 11, 15, or 16, 23, there's what appears to be a cigar shaped comet or asteroid that's going to hit the firmament and release the waters from above. And we're running out of time. Do you all remember when the future map of the United States was posted? And you can see as California's covered, uh, parts of Florida's covered, uh, parts of Texas, New York is underwater. Y'all remember when this, this very map right here started circulating around the internet? What's supposed to be our future map? 2017. That time is almost here. Let me show you what Ingersoll Lockwood is famous for. He wrote this book, The Last President, 1900. And inside of this book, it describes eerily what's exactly going on today. And the last president of the United States lived on Fifth Avenue in New York City. What's located Fifth Avenue, New York City? Trump Towers. Pay attention. I'm going to show you another book that he wrote in 1893 he also wrote this book the baron trump's marvelous underground journey hmm in that book the baron trump does trump have a son named baron it is a weird once again these books were wrote in the late 1800s let's move on for those of you that heard of operation jade helm and the conspiracies behind that let me show you one of the number one theories around it. Okay, hold on on Jade Hell. And I yelled at the radio this morning. When Liana started playing this, I'm going to yell about it now. 
I was involved in Jade Helm. In Jade Helm, I landed a C-130. Well, I didn't land it. A C-130 landed on 10 going west. And I drove up the ass end of it with a car. Parked it. And it took back off again on the highway. And I'm really pissed off with America because there wasn't one video of that whole exercise. And I was completely expecting to be videotaped driving the car, a Honda Accord up the ass end of a fucking C-130 that was landing in the middle of broad daylight on a national highway. And nobody got a video or a picture of it. Like, what the fuck just did we just see? <laughs> just saying. Well, that's because they shut the highway down for like three miles in either no. direction. So, no, it was a rolling stop. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> this is around this is a comet or asteroid impact. It says some conspiracy theorists have connected the Jade, Jade Helm 15 military exercise with an apocalypse caused by a comet or asteroid striking the earth once again we have 11 16 23 and if you by the way i just want to add that um uh i did a decode of this the image that was up before this and there was a clock in front of the michael jordan uh sneaker Right, which his yeah. number was obviously twenty three, which is why this guy uh, Detta, by the way, at Detta nine ten on TikTok, um, that um, it had a, a clock in front of it, ten ten, that told told us that told me anyway that that um, first we thought it was Jordan, so we thought it was going to be Jordan was going to be Speaker of the House. Then when Michael Johnson became Speaker, it was like holy shit it's mj right michael jordan mj michael johnson and then the the clock in front of it told us that trump was in in control of that situation wow right that was a decode so that was before this one came up okay okay so i'll let it continue look in the background Okay, hold on real quick. Let me explain that a little bit. All right, so really quick, what he's talking about here is if you bring the, all right, point at the one clock, the Mickey Mouse one. This one Okay, here. that's the Trump clock, okay? And point, it says, now hold on, real real quick. It's an analog watch. Yes. It's not necessarily 1116, it could be 1117. Look, look you, you all tell me, you all say I'm crazy. So hold on, stop, stop. Just saying. Well, Mick, why do you call that the Trump clock? Tell me something. What's the biggest thing in Florida? What is Disney. the one destination everybody goes in Florida? Walt Disney World. Walt Disney World. Mm -hmm. Why would you put Mickey Mouse on the face of a fucking watch if you don't consider that the Trump clock? Get the fuck. That's the Trump clock. The clock behind it. That, That's the national clock. The the sand. That's the hourglass. The the clock of time. That's the clock of the country. Something's coming in, in the background, destroying the clock, and it's releasing the water. Mm. And then you got a rabbit on the other side. Yes, it, they are known for moving quite fast, and he's pointing at his watch. That's the decode. And look at the look at the different sides. 
one side is completely a ghost town. The other side, there's still life. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference? Once this thing hits, it's everything after it's death. Everything before that is life. That's my take on the decode. You, you want to keep going on this? Because they were talking about 1116 at 241, which obviously didn't happen because today's 1116 and we're past 241. However, again, that is an analog watch. And um, if it, well, that that doesn't mean that the date that's just an hour in time. It doesn't give us a date. There's no actual date there. If it is 1117, then it's tomorrow. At two forty-one, and at two forty-one tomorrow afternoon, we'll be tripping balls, walking around our property, looking really retarded, and we hope Liana will be here so she can videotape the whole thing. <laughs> She's gonna be here. She's gonna be tripping with us. Oh, sweet Jesus! Yeah. Oh, we're all fucked, folks. We're all if, doing this together, oh, yes. baby. The we're gonna be partying for the end of the world. Damn I can't wait, Skippy. Because here's what's happening tomorrow: <laughs> the penile. Starship is ready to launch for the second time ever. Finally, the company plans to launch on Friday, November 17. A license for the second launch of SpaceX's next-generation spacecraft, Starship, has been granted by the Federal Aviation Administration of the United States today, November 15. Are you excited? Let's find out all the details now. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Elon Musk Evolution, where we bring you the most recent news about Elon Musk and his multi-billion dollar companies space news, and the latest science and technology. But before we begin, make sure you subscribe to our channel and click the bell icon so you don't miss any of our amazing videos. The FAA has given license authorization for the second launch of the SpaceX Starship Super Heavy Vehicle, the FAA said this afternoon in an email. The FAA said SpaceX met all of its responsibilities in terms of safety, the environment, policy, and financial responsibility. The launch will happen on Friday, November 17, from Starbase, a SpaceX site in South Texas. There is a two-hour window that starts at 8 a.m. Eastern Time for the launch. Thanks to SpaceX, you can watch it live at space.com. Starship has a first-stage booster called Super Heavy and an upper-stage spaceship called Starship, which is a bit of a challenge. Both of these parts are made to be fully and quickly reused. Elon Musk, the founder and CEO of SpaceX, has long wanted to live on Mars. The company thinks that this vehicle will make that dream a reality in the near future. Spaceship Starship is almost 400 feet tall when it is fully stacked. There has never been a bigger or stronger rocket built. One real flight has been done by Starship. It took off from Starbase on April 20 for a test flight. SpaceX planned for the top stage to go around the Earth twice and land it in the Pacific Ocean near Hawaii but Starship had a lot of problems soon after it took off. For example, its two stages wouldn't separate, and the vehicle was intentionally destroyed high above the Gulf of Mexico. Parts of Starbase were also damaged by the launch. A hole was blown out under the facility's orbital launch mount, and pieces of concrete and other debris flew around the area. To make sure this kind of damage doesn't happen again, SpaceX put in a water deluge system under the orbital launch mount, this is a strengthened steel plate that shoots out an enormous amount of water to neutralize the superheated and powerful 33 Raptor engines. Before the beginning of September, the FAA was done looking into what happened with the flight on April 20. The agency then said on October 31 
that it had finished a safety review of the second Starship flight, which looked at any risks to public health and property that the launch might pose. Before Starship could take off again, there was one more thing that had to be done to meet new rules. On October 31, the FAA said in an email, The FAA is continuing to work on the environmental review. FAA is in discussions with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service about an updated Endangered Species Act biological assessment as part of its environmental study. Before the environmental review part of the license review is finished, the FAA and the USFWS must wrap up this input. Many different kinds of plants and animals live in the area around Starbase, and the environmental review seemed to be mostly about the impact of the new water deluge system might have on that area. It's safe to fly again because USFWS scientists did their study and found nothing very worrying. There will be some overlap between the goals of this test flight and the mission in April. Almost immediately after launch, Super Heavy will land in the Gulf of Mexico, if everything goes as planned. The upper stage of Starship will almost reach orbital speed before splashing down near Hawaii. Authorities from the FAA said that the new license is only good for one launch. And so, what to expect from SpaceX's Starship second test flight? The stakes are enormous, and there are a lot of questions surrounding SpaceX's planned Starship test flight. This mission's outcome will have a significant impact on the future of the expansive Starship program, which has huge implications for satellite internet connectivity and space exploration. And maybe it'll crack the firmament. <laughs> maybe it will. Although, we'll find out, I guess, tomorrow, won't we? I do have to say, because Lindsay said... Uh, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 hold on. Go back. Why did you do that? What did you... You bitch. I wanted to play this because oh. this is very important. Sorry, I didn't I didn't know I didn't realize it was Are you kidding me? That's yes. not Yeah, because this should be playing in the background. This okay. should be absolutely playing in the background. So uh because time's running out. Oh no, no, that's the wrong song. Hold on my bad. Yeah, that's kind of crappy. Sucked. That's the wrong one. I don't, know. I don't know. I can't find it right okay. now. Right. Get out. Anyway, uh, Lindsay said, but the starship might actually be designed to break through the firmament. How is that? Well, that, if he's the Antichrist, he's not. But it might be. <laughs> well, although when God lets the Antichrist come into power, there will have already been many antichrists. So We've already had a whole bunch. We have said already that they had were, a whole bunch. Said that they were Jesus. Come on now. So, Or they were talking to Jesus. You know, that was a crazy part. Like, I never talked to him, but I, I can tell you this much. Yeah, no. So, um, but I, I had an interesting conversation the other night. You did? I did. With who? Gabriel. Oh. And he told me that uh he came back. Oh yeah. Um, not last night. This was the other night. And I hadn't talked to him for a few days because I didn't have any questions because he told me something that blew my mind, but that wasn't this. But he did say that he thought that we would all have more time, like another hundred years, but we learn too fast. And I said, can you imagine how much faster we would have learned if they hadn't spent all this time dumbing us down, not teaching us our true history and putting fluoride and poison and other things like that in the water system? Is that what he was talking about? No. No. 
he's probably talking about the people that are in charge. They learn too fast. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Maybe he was talking about the spaceship that's about to break through the firmament. Mm -hmm. oh. hmm. You never know these days. Just saying. So, Some bitch. Craziness. Just craziness. It is. Everything's insane. Oh, all right. What's coming? I mean, what what can't? I mean, <laughs> what the fuck? I I don't know what you just did. I don't know either. That's so random. You you just do shit. You know. It just went wacky. No, you did something. And obviously. You obviously. Okay. Whatever. What are you doing? Would you move your hand? You you put this back here, dumbass, mm -hmm. and you moved it over here. Mm -hmm. Now move that back. Put this over here. See, keep it out of that thing. All you got to do is keep it out of it. I don't understand what your problem is. It's so easy, it really is. <laughs> uh, okay, that's fine. I don't need it that long. There you go. Boom. Oh, Done. Wow. Look at that. Got it done. All right. Just like that. But the craziness is, uh, I, I know you all heard about the DNC getting attacked last night. Well, but... well, hold on, hold on. I have more conspiracy theories. Oh, do stuff. you? Oh, do I you? do. I oh, do. We got new conspiracy. Oh, that's right. I sent you this. Yes. Yes, you do. You're right. You do. This happened the other night. This is kind of fucking really freaky and just a little scary. Watch this. Strange electrical storm broke over CERN in Switzerland. Last night, all hell broke loose over CERN in Switzerland. Okay. What the fuck is this? I've never seen lightning move sideways. That's yeah. That's some weird shit. Never seen lightning move sideways. I've seen it. Or, or I, a correction. I've never seen lightning work. So if it's going up to down, working out from the up to down, and only to one side. That's a little weird. Mm -hmm. So if you're not listening, you're watching. It was going from up to down, and it was only going to one side of it, so the left side of it. That's I've never seen lightning ever do anything like that before. Do Pay not be deceived. This is Already their real happening. plan. Sustainable population of our planet is no more than 500 million. Well, we're willing to kill 7 billion. Well, most of those lives aren't worth living. Mass of humanity in Africa, India, China, and in the squalor. Be better off dead. The world would be better off without them. And America will be first. Yes, well. As our friend Henry Kissinger said, a strong America is the only thing standing in the way of a new world order. 
We have foreign troops on the ground now under the UN banner. The country only needs a little chaos. The American people are resilient. What's to come if the citizens rise up? Yes, well, when parents see their children starving, families all the way to FEMA camps, imprisonment, or worse, Yes, yes, we expect some resistance at first, but the vanity of nationalism will quickly fade. The people will beg for help, any help. These are but the birth pangs of change. Birth pangs of a new world order. See, you know why we scare them, folks? Hmm. Because they expect us to come crawling to them. Never in a million fucking years. No, stop. They expect us to come, oh, please help us, help us, help us. The reason why, I, I believe, the reason why we here in America have been the last to be challenged yet is because they know we can say fuck you and watch this and we'll do it ourselves. We've done it before. We'll, we'll do it again. It's not a big deal. And they're scared to death of that. My point is, is why, are, why are we waiting? You're paying these exorbitant prices at grocery stores for literally no reason. Mm -hmm. You can literally grow the same food that you're getting in the grocery store. And it's more healthier for you. A lot more. And you can do it yourself without the government. Mm -hmm. It takes some backbone. It takes a little bit of will. It takes a little bit of Hard strong work. work, a little bit of ethic. You got to get up when you don't want to get up. Mm -hmm. You got to go out and do what you don't want to go do. But That's at the end it. of the day, what's better? You spending your dime for some other dickhead who already did that and Oh, filled all of your food with chemicals? Or is it better that you know exactly where your food came from and you're eating healthy shit? Yep. I don't know. Well, remember, Survival Essentials is offering an exclusive promotion just for our listeners right now. Survival-essentials.com. You get 40% off with promo code DEFIANT. 40% off at survival-essentials.com. So. There you go. Anyway, uh, Elon wants to pierce the firmament with a giant cock. Yes, John, he does. Well, yeah, I mean, it is. It's penetration either way, even if it's just the tip. <laughs> but what they said in that that clip, the movie clip there, right, about the New World Order, they just need a little chaos. Well, here's the chaos it, is for this, you. Is this the, the chaos? Here's the chaos. Hold on, 
Oh, the drama queens. Oh, the drama the queens. Oh, the drama queens. Is that January 6th? It's worse than Should January be. 6th. Should be. They stormed the DNC headquarters, folks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think there should be tribunals. I think we should have investigations. Why aren't why don't I see people going to jail for the rest of their lives? You know, Owen Schreier is going to be in solitary confinement until November 28th. Damn. Yeah. No, I want to bring this up because I want to bring up, bring up the other one I sent you first. There was one with just a picture. Mm -hmm. Bring up that one at the high school. Bring that up first. Start there. Okay. Folks, this right here fucking pisses me off. Scroll up. Read what it says. That's right here. Fremont um, High School in Oakland, California. Removes U.S. flag and raises a Palestinian one. Yep. This is unacceptable. First of all, there are laws against this. Yep. You are not allowed to do this. Yep. This pisses me the fuck off. This makes me angry. Go to the video. Quickly. Go No, go to the video. Go to the one that you were going to play you. before. I, got you. I have to get there and stop the sharing and share I another know. one. Jeez. I know. This does not. And I'll tell you why in a second. Go for it. Play. Because the U.S. flag is still flying and it's flying higher than the Palestinian flag. That's fine. Well, right, well I'll, get, I'll get more. Keep going. Let it go. You can go ahead and pause it now. Okay. So do you want to know why I'm not pissed off about this one? A, you're right. Our country colors are at the right spot they're supposed to be at. Number two, you want to know why this doesn't piss me off? This is freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. You want to know why? You can run whatever you want up your flagpole underneath the American flag. As long as the American flag is the topper. You can do whatever you want. These cocksuckers did the same thing with Ukraine. Yep. Where was your outrage then? Where was your fucking outrage then? Look, you want to have outrage when somebody removes the U.S. flag and replaces it with a Palestinian one? That's outrage. When somebody flies a lower flag underneath the American flag and says, hey, we're just standing with Palestine. Hey, I'm fine with that. That's just freedom of speech. When you replace my national colors, though, and you're doing it at a public high school, you're teaching something to those kids that nobody needs to hear because that's some fucked up communist shit. And that's never going to be taught in this country. Not while I still breathe this air. Period. And fuck you. I will bring you up. It's in California. Rose Hills, California. Oakland. Kami. Kami, California. We'll check this out. This is 
Because we we saw the real colors of California when they rolled out the fucking national state Chinese sponsored flags all over the place when fucking Xi Jinping was driving down the road in mm-hmm. San Francisco. Instead of lining that motherfucker with American flags the whole fucking way, telling him to fuck off because he's a communist cocksucking piece of shit. No. No, instead, we rolled out the, uh, I'll suck your dick, Xi Jinping. Joe Biden, where's my 10%, big guy? All right, well, check this out. This is crazy. Douchebag. But now this seems to be all about politics. What do you say about that? You know, you have innocent children and Palestinians who are dying, innocent Israeli children who are dying. And no one seems to be able to say enough. Stop that. <sighs> I'm not interested in politics at all. Uh, my only concern is getting Emily back. Gail, shut the fuck up, you stupid wench. Seriously, I will how call dare you. you lecture this father whose daughter is being held hostage? Wow. Yeah. You got balls bigger than fucking Big Mike. I ain't said that in a while, but you do. Wow, that Gail King. It's... Wow, pro Palestinian. That's where the Oprah Book Club went. Wow, you ladies that were involved in the Oprah Book Club. What the fuck? Really? You're pro Palestine? Look, I'm not pro Palestine or pro Israel. I'm just saying let Israel do what Israel's got to do. Because if we fuck this up before, we need to stop fucking it up. Just let them do their thing. Shut the fuck up. And all you kids out there, all you college kids that think, oh, I'm so badass. I listen to this guy. He goes crazy on the fuck pot. Okay, you dumbasses, listen up. You want a real lesson? Those motherfuckers will kill you. If you go in there spouting your bullshit about, well, I, 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 I'm queer, queers for Palestine, they'll cut your fucking head off. They will hang you. Mm-hmm. They will pull every limb off of your body and they will cut your fucking head off. Just for fun. Or they'll throw you off a roof. What? I, I'm confused. You college kids are the idiots that are fucking us right now because the more and more you do this shit, the more and more they think they have a base here. If they think they have a base here, they're coming to attack us next, you morons. Stop. Stop being retarded. These Israeli kids, they didn't do anything for you. They haven't been involved in anything since the Antifada. Get the fuck out of here. Look, here's the thing, though. We can not take sides doesn't really matter because everybody else is taking a side on this. Everybody's fighting. It's literally the, the civil war all over again, brother against brother. No, I, I, I know that. I know. But that's why we got to come this. back to us. And we have to come well, back to the U S we have to concentrate on this country, but it's, it's, we can say that all day long, but it's not going to happen. I know. But I have to. Somebody <laughs> has to. Who who else is going to say it? You? I mean, even no, even Candace Owens and fucking Ben Shapiro are fight. It's it's. Listen to this. This is ridiculous. This I, is, I I didn't know that Candace, they were even fighting until this came out in Tucker. Yeah. And I, I did see your shit the other night. I forget who <laughs> posted it. Thank you very much. I we did get it. We watched it. 
and I'm still confused. What are they thinking about? Say that I find it particularly despicable, as I have said on my platform, when people who are pro-Israel are now being called anti-Semites for asking meaningful questions. I talked about Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk, following the attacks on October 7th, turned to the Israeli government and said, how did this, how did this happen? You know, he talked about Israel being the size of New Jersey. He's been there many times. He funds thousands of students to go there and to visit. He's He, he is, he's honestly radically pro-Israel, I would almost yes. say. It's probably a fair I thing think, to say about Charlie right. Kirk. Yeah. And he was asking these questions with the intent of, if these were your children and they were involved in this horrific attack, wouldn't you want to know these answers? He's yeah. like, you can't move five feet without seeing an IDF soldier. I've been to Israel, and that is a fact. I admire, I have too, a number of times, and I admire their border barriers, mm -hmm. and I always have. I always think, I wish we had that. So I, that's a totally fair question. Totally fair question that he asked, and, and it got interpreted, and then there were suddenly these, these attacks calling, asking the question of whether a turning point was seeping with anti-Semitism, and how unfair, how unfair to, after all the work that he has done to support your cause, to turn your back on him and to call him an anti-Semite because you don't like a question that he asked that actually was being asked from the heart and uh, with a little bit of rage toward this even being allowed to happen. We always have to hold our governments accountable in, in how they are responding. And plenty of Israelis, some of whom I know, are asking that question, and why wouldn't they? I, why not? Why exactly. not? We ask the question. Charlie Kirk's not wrong. Ask it. What Ben Shapiro got butthurt about it? Oh yeah, he got really butthurt. That Charlie Kirk asked the question. question. Yeah. Why mm -hmm. he yeah. got butthurt, butthurt about Candace Owens asking questions too? He got. To, but remember, Ben Shapiro was pro mask, pro jab, pro. Yeah, true. everything. True, he was. He's. He's a mm. fucking cuck. It has mm -hmm. been for a long time. He's got that doctor wife of his. Uh-huh. Doctors don't know shit. And no. we know that. Nope. We've been proving that time and time again. Every time you go to the doctor, you get a different reason for, well, just take this pill. Why? No, just tell me something. Mm -hmm. Why do people who go to um, their final care, what is that called? Uh, hospice. Hospice. Why, why, why do they get better? And go home because they take them off their big pharma drugs. Oh shit! Mm -hmm. Maybe that was the problem from the get go. Maybe you were dying because all you've taken is two hundred and thirty years of unadulterated street drugs that they just shoved into a pill and said, "Hey, this will make you feel better." Because a doctor signed off on it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Ooh, that could be. You could be onto something there, Mick. That could be a, a conspiracy theory. Oh shit! That's how easy it is to come up with. Anyway, well, this was um. Did y'all did right y'all see this? This was great. Since we brought up G in China, <laughs> uh, watch this. This is what watching everybody bow to this no, contract. No, no. Blinken's Blinken's reaction when Biden called G a dictator. <laughs> Dude, this is outstanding. This Dude, asshole is puckering amazing. is not. He could squeeze a diamond out of that Holy asshole shit. right Watch now. This. Watch this. is great. Mr. President, after today, would you still refer to President Xi as a dictator? This is a term uh, that you used earlier this year. Oh, he is. I mean, he's a dictator in the sense that. Oh, shit. No, oh, look, he didn't. He's like, oh, I was about to he, cry. He's like, he didn't just say that. Uh -huh. No, he didn't. Oh, my God. I can't put my hand up to my face, but if I could, this is exactly what I would look like. Please put us up on the screen because this is exactly what I would look like if I could put my hand into my face. <laughs> like that, oh, that, that. That was a wince. If you guys have never oh, seen a shit. wince. 
that here we'll do it again dude that's that like great. kevin mccarthy elbowing look, you in the look, kidney going backwards oh it's great. oh it's even worse it's wait, like wait uh, he's waiting for uh, the answer uh, he's hopeful uh, he's hopeful uh, He's uh, no, Jeff. Oh, fuck. no, look. Oh, fuck. In slow <laughs> Shit. Oh, that hurts. Oh. Damn it, I gotta have to explain that wait, one, wait, wait. too. Okay, all right, hold on. Hold on. Wait, what a bitch. No, we'll go from here. We'll go what from a here. bitch. Right <laughs> He's sitting there, he's gritting his teeth. All right. When you grit your teeth, you <sighs> you fuckers know exactly what I'm talking about. Stop. Stop every single one of you. You know exactly what I'm talking When your boss shows up on the job site and he thinks he knows better than you do, and he starts grabbing shit and he's grabbing the wrong shit and you're gritting your teeth, you're like, Oh you motherfucker, I just want to pound your skull in the fucking ground. You can't do it because the customer's sitting there. That's what he's doing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know I am dead right on this. That's exactly what he was just doing right there. He's like, oh, you motherfucker, I'm going to fucking kill you. Well, the Chinese <sighs> were rather upset about Biden's about Biden's remark about she being a dictator. But, uh, well, of course, uh, but there's no nevertheless, silly sapping little bitches would be. Nevertheless, she put on a smile and went out to dinner with a whole bunch of billionaires. Oh, yeah, well, of course, because he's sucking dick for money. Here you go, check this that's, out. That's, that, I, I saw oh, the Navy do And this. they paid $40,000 each to be at dinner with G. <laughs> like I said, I saw the Navy do this. I'm joking, by the way. Here's who was spotted with G. Tim Cook from Apple. Steven Schwarman from Blackstone. Schwartzman. Schwartzman. Larry Fink of BlackRock. Daniel O'Day, Gilead Sciences. Merritt Janow from MasterCard. Stanley Deal from Boeing Commercial Airlines. Rashish Shubramaniam, FedEx. Ray Dalio, Bridgewater Associates. Because, wow. hey, she... That's she, a lot of billionaires. She needs, uh, well, and heads, he needs of, money. heads of major companies. No, no, no. He needs to know that when he comes in and takes over America, that he'll still have corporate behind him. The corporations behind him. Mm, that could be. Mm. That is very possible. And they want him rest assured that so, when the dollar crashes, America, they're going to have the Chinese support behind them. They're, they're trying to ensure that our guns don't get in the way. Mm-hmm. You know it. Where, where does our Second Amendment stand? Right behind our first, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Just remember that. Mm -hmm. Just remember that. Exactly. Because the most important thing that we've got going for us right now, unfortunately, is us. Any one of you walking around with one of these, you are the ones that all all of you, every single one of you, are they're the ones we're worried about. They're worried about. Because we have these. If we have our no buttons, they can't say yes. Not for us. Because we can say no in a very final way. That's the point of the no button. It's a Bluetooth no button, too. 
it delivers it at 2,343 feet per second. Anyway. So it's a lot of fun. So uh, here was... Um, it's time to start saying The no. Chinese reaction or a discussion of the Chinese reaction to Biden I mean, calling Xi a dictator. Really? Here you go. Gave a warning to America after his meeting with President Biden yesterday. Watch this. China-U.S. relationship has never been smooth sailing over the past 50 years or more, and it always faces problems of one kind or another. Yet it has kept moving forward amid twists and turns. For two large countries like China and the United States, turning their back on each other is not an option. Okay, Senator Rick Scott joins us now. Mr. Santa, do you want to turn America's back on China? No, I think we just need to be realistic. First, first off, everything that comes out of Xi's mouth is a lie. Um, ask the people in Taiwan if they feel comfortable that he's not a bully. Or I was in Phil I was in Taiwan last year. They're worried about him. I was in Philippines this year. I mean, he's taken over some of their property with the shoals. Uh, everywhere I've gone in the world, they're worried about him. Uh, they know he's a bully. Uh, they know China's a bully. They want world domination. And by the way, 70,000 American families lost their loved ones from fentanyl. And you know, this guy's this guy's you know produces the darn stuff and sends it across the border. Look at all these companies that that they've stolen their technology and stolen American jobs. Um, so I don't think look, she is a dictator. He's a bully. Um, if Americans, you know, look, we've got to be realistic of who he is. We've got to protect American jobs and American families. Well, how far would you go in pushing back and pushing China out? For example, would you ban TikTok outright? Absolutely. It's toxic. Uh, TikTok is toxic to our kids. Um, I mean, look at the, you know, you can look at all the articles. Look at what, what they teach our kids versus what they teach kids in China. Uh, it's a toxic, it's a toxic company. Um, have you thought of the politics of this, Mr. Senator? There are tens of millions of Americans who use TikTok on a daily basis. There are probably a couple of million businesses in America which run on TikTok. You ban it outright. And you have a political problem, don't you? Well, I think, which, first off, what you have to do is what's in the best interest of the American public. My job is to protect the American public. I represent the state of Florida. Uh, the and who de determines what's in the best interest of the American public? You're, you're talking about the American public limiting, does. limiting free speech. He's going to ban TikTok outright no, I because know. it's in the best interest of the American public. To whose standard? Exactly. Per whose standard? Uh, see, this is where, the, look, I, I didn't call for TikTok's ban. I, we never said ban TikTok. We said, hey, it's a free, free speech platform. If you don't like it, if you don't want your kids on it, don't let them be on it. Don't, don't let them be, be on, on it. it. Be a parent. Stand up and say no. If you you don't care, then let your kids be on it. If you don't, if you don't know, look it up. Do your own research. The you know, I, I get tired of people saying, "Well, all your show is about is conspiracy theory." No, it's trying to teach you to go do your own research so you can learn some of this shit too. I don't. I don't need to do all the research for you. I do some. Yes, I do it every day. I listen every day. I'm listening to everybody and everything as yep. much as I can. I listen to 13 podcasts a day. This this shit's everywhere. Everybody, when I hear a resounding theme that jumps from show to show during my day, 
it's it's especially when it starts out with Liana's show, and it's the same thing thing I hear throughout every other show that most of them are mainstream, like right side broadcasters, and they are repeating the same shit, but they're not. They're saying, "But wait, wait, wait! We've got to vote in twenty four. We got to vote. You've got to tell me something. How many of you people believe that anymore? Seriously, on an honest to God, no bullshit." Eliminate every all feeling, all prejudice aside. How many of you people feel that when you go vote, you actually change this country? Just put it in the chat. Yes, you do. And no, you don't. Since you're going there. Because I got to tell you, I've been voting every every year I've been able to vote. I have voted in every election. Mm -hmm. Even worked as a poll worker once or twice. Why? Why do I have this sudden urge to you know i don't care if i vote or not because of this well things like this nbc 10 boston exclusive state and local officials are looking into allegations of attempted voter fraud in lawrence and we've exclusively obtained video footage from a lawrence man's home appearing to show a woman removing ballots from his mailbox nbc 10's darren batello spoke with secretary of state bill galvin about all of this darren what did he have to say Well, right now, there are two police reports alleging voter fraud in Lawrence at this time, and there could be more on the way. We are told that there is an investigation going on. Whoa, whoa. Hey, really quick. Wait a minute. Most of you are going to say, wait a minute, Mick. This was back in no, this- in 2020. No, no, no. no this this is- was just a couple of days ago yeah, this was during 7th. the most current election that we just had. Correct on at both the state and local level and one man tells us he actually caught a woman on camera going into his mailbox stealing ballots this is the ring camera video appearing to show a woman taking out three ballots from a lawrence man's mailbox this is the man who didn't want to be identified but says he went to go vote in person on election day last week and was told, according to the list, he already voted. That's when he checked his camera footage and then contacted police. The Essex County District Attorney's Office and Secretary of State, William Galvin, are now looking into any allegations of potential voter fraud. We're going to get all the ballots out of Lawrence. We're going to get all the mail-in ballots, and we're going to review everything and all the provisionals and reconcile the list. And a further investigation contacting some of the people who allegedly voted by mail needs to be done, we will do it. There are two reports of potential voter fraud or stolen ballots right now in Lawrence. There may be more. It's premature to say how many. The second report filed was from this Lawrence woman who's still waiting for elections officials to decide whether her in-person vote will count or the mail-in which she says has her signature forged. How come it's not going to be counted if I'm voting right in front of you and I'm telling you that that vote that you have there is not mine? State elections officials are now sorting through these allegations and we're told the results would be delivered before the candidates begin their new terms in January. We're on it. And then we heard about it today. We took action. We've had a history of sending people to jail when they've committed crimes. That's what we'll do here. So tell me again. How many of you, this is the same shit that happened in 2020, folks. Yep. You know what the difference is? People are awake now. They're they're looking at shit. They're going and checking their ballots. Yep. One of the things, the truck driver in the beginning of this, and I still want to know his name, and I really do want him to come to our show. I really do. Um, 
but one of the things he said, and one of the things I've noticed too, because if you listen to any of these guys, Dan Bongino, all, all these cats, you listen to any right side broadcast. One of the ways they end their shows is that's why we have to vote. Mm-hmm. And I look at it and I say, why? If it's all fraudulent, what's the point anymore? They got to that. They got to the most, it was supposed to be the most securest right that we as Americans have. If they got to that, they've gotten to everything else. Hey, you which can means vote for Vinman. Huh, don't even, uh, well, I was going to bring that up at a later time, but because he's a traitor and mm-hmm. I can't believe that people are actually bringing this cocksucker out as an actual possibility. Swear to God, dude's running for a congressional seat. Yep. Vinman for Congress. Uh, what the fuck is wrong no. with us, America? That would be no. He was the one that did the whole Donald Trump phone call problem. Yep. Let me let me refresh your memory in case you don't remember. Alexander Vindman, the gentleman, lieutenant colonel, cocksucker, traitor, came out and said, oh, well, his call was questionable. That's what launched an impeachment investigation. Remember that a phone call launched an impeachment investigation. Yet we got Alejandro Mayorkas, who's allowing a hundred thousand plus fucking illegal immigrants flutter flutter across our border every fucking day. But Vinman, man, dude, that dude was all over it. No, I don't think so. If I had my, I'd be able to play it right now, but I don't. That sucks. That's okay. We have bears. 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 Hold on. I'm waiting for this to finish. We fight fucking bears. We do fight bears. At at this place, we fight fucking bears here. Anybody in Washington state? (laughs) Because that's where they're apparently dropping grizzly bears into rural communities. I hope you're all ready for this. Uh, shit. This is this is yeah, that's the beginning, okay. I believe. You can bring this up. This is good. This is funny. This will make y'all laugh. We try to be humorous here. What's even more interesting is after they literally airdrop these bears in, is that intentionally or un- that's not that's not it. Hold on. Keep okay. muted and let it play and bring us back up. And <sighs> it was about right though, because this is this is more shit we're spending money on that we shouldn't be spending money on because we're a country that just doesn't spend money like that, but apparently we do. Okay, here we go. This is great. Oh, this hurts. This hurts my head. Yo, look at this headline. <laughs> I looked at this and I was like, wait a second, they have bears? I'm not even surprised at this point. Like, maybe it's early, I don't know, but I saw this and I was like, wait a second, so the Biden administration just has seven just grizzly bears on deck? Apparently, because of some type of nature conservation, they want to release these grizzly bears in Washington State to grow the grizzly bear population, apparently. And the local cattle ranchers and farmers are like, don't do that, bro. They are known for mauling 
But the quotes in this article, <laughs> introducing an apex predator to a new area. Imagine living in this area and being like, yo, the government just dropped a grizzly bear nearby. Like, oh, cool, new fear unlocked. It's like, oh, I've been here my whole life. And just when we got rid of the grizzly bears, they airdrop one in. Look at this plan being pushed by bureaucrats thousands of miles away who don't understand the harm this will cause to local producers. Seems logical. Don't listen to the local people. Totally fine. Look at this. What's even more interesting is after they literally airdrop these bears in, is that intentionally or unintentionally killing a grizzly bear comes with heavy fines because it's an endangered species. So it's just mauling your cow and it's like, well, guess this is what it is now. I didn't have on my bingo card, Biden administration drops bear in your neighborhood. <laughs> so seriously, this is the Biden administration. Look, if we keep following these stupid fucking green weenies down this path, this is what's going to happen. One of your kids in Washington is going to be eaten by a fucking grizzly bear. What is wrong with you? How stupid do you have to be? We fight bears. Oh, my God. Oh, we're just going to. What are they jumping in with parachutes? What the heck? Airdropping in a fucking grizzly bear. I never seen a grizzly bear jump out of an aircraft before. But damn, that's going to be epic. Maybe they'll give him cocaine. Down. <laughs> what type of shoot does he use? Bear one? Bear one logic. The, the strings are made out of titanium, so he can't cut him with his claws. All the hunters in Washington fucking just waiting for those bears to be parachuting oh, down. Just fucking shoot them on the way down. That's it. Oh, shit. Done. I'll be sitting there. I'll be out there with them. I'll be like, let's get them. Let's get them, boys. Let's get them. Let's go. We got bears. We got bears parachuting in. Let's oh get them. Come on. Come on. Let's get them. Let's get them. So, so uh, Mick's brother is hunting right now in Michigan. He's on. Dis yes. He's on disability because he's jab injured. Oh, what do you know? Yeah, go visit. And uh, you'll have that with pictures. So he's he's been sending us pictures early every morning, which is much earlier for him than it is for us. But it's still early for us. I mean, it's like six thirty, seven in the morning. He's sending us pictures to the whole family. He's like, I'm up in my blind, and. Uh, Nick's mom's like, I hope you didn't shoot anything. Yeah. Woman, you are married to a soldier for like 50 fucking years. One of your, two of your sons were cops and two of your sons were soldiers. And you're going to tell them, I hope you didn't shoot anything. Seriously, mom, you think food's getting any cheaper or any better quality in the grocery store? Which is what I said. I was like, fill them freezers, bro. Cause food ain't getting any cheaper or any nope. better quality in the grocery store. Have at it. And then I was like, Hey, Mick's going hunting next week or in a couple weeks, but they go suppressor hunting. So they just stand out in the field and they shoot everything they can. And then they go drink for three days while someone else processes the meat. <laughs> Literally that's one day. And your brother did the blinking freaking right, so hand thing. What we went up there. Literally, we went up to this place in one day. We went out there. We have conservation tags. We're only allowed to shoot one buck each. There were seven of us. Mm -hmm. We each shot a buck. And then after that, all does were game. Dude, they were trying to control the population of their deer. And they had them herded. And they pushed them in front of us. And, man, we went to town on the does. I'll tell you what. One day. That's all it took. One day. And they were like, you shot enough. You guys are good. And we were good. We were like, yeah, we'll just sit around and drink for the next three days at your cabin. It's a lovely cabin, by the way.
And we did. We sat around and drank for three days and played gun games and did stupid shit. It's really funny. Blew shit up. Yeah, we shot a couple of ten or eight bombs. How, we do, did you, do how do you fit a suppressor on a fifty cal? You don't. You don't. You don't. Darling. There's no such thing as a fifty cal anyway, suppressor. We got to drop the red pill project. We do. Uh, red pill. We'll be back. To, uh, she'll be back tomorrow, eight mm-hmm. eight a.m. for the good book. Yeah, but only we'll, on the Patriot Party podcast channel. Correct. Mm-hmm. Not on the red pill channels. They didn't want to air it for. I don't know, whatever reason. And then, and tomorrow, anyway, then we'll be, uh, then you also have Leanna at 905 and Vince at 1130. Mm-hmm. You have us back at 545. No, not Leanna tomorrow because she'll be here. Oh, that's right. Yes. So, uh, we so, will be back tomorrow with, with Leanna and she'll be live on yeah. the Patriot party podcast. You got right it right here in the center between the two of us covering up the emblem. Mm-hmm. So till then red pill project, y'all have a great night fuckers for the rest of you fuckers. We'll see you tomorrow. You know what time it is. You want to get high? I do. I okay. Well, you know what time it is, fuckers. If you've got it, it's about that time to spark it up and smoke it down. We're going to have some fun. Actually, it's not completely true. You can put a suppressor on a 50 cal. Does it do anything? No. No. Why, shit, wacko? He's back with his old stuff. I like it. B, our boy. Tomorrow, tomorrow, Sparky Boy, tomorrow. Yes. Tomorrow. Tomorrow we will be on the shrooms all day during the day. Maybe I was even thinking that maybe we'd um we'd do a stream in, in place of Lana's show on the Patriot Party podcast and like play some movies or music or whatnot. Um we'll be in and out. But uh or maybe not because we'll be tripping balls. So. We might be sitting in front of the camera talking about funny shit or watching comedy like we did the last time we did it. Because the last time we did it, we watched comedy for like three hours. Yeah, but I can't be stuck in this room. While I'm <laughs> That's true. I'll freak out. Yep. I need She'll to be, lay down on the floor. I need again. to be outside. I definitely need to be outside. She'll break another microphone stand. No. Is Not Wix me. and uh, Gerby coming over? I think so. Sweet. Yes. Wix and Gerby, you coming over tomorrow? Hey, we, we do have TNT tonight, guys. Just letting you know. We'll do TNT tonight. Uh, I don't know who's playing. I don't think it matters. I, oh, no. It's the Broncos <laughs> and um, I believe it's the Broncos. I know it's in Denver. I just don't know who's playing. I'm going to really look that up because I don't know. I didn't look today and I haven't submitted my football picks yet. So probably that's... around 10 30, 11, what? 10, 10 30. Yeah. Tonight is, uh, oh no, it's Bengals Ravens tonight. Ooh, okay. That might be a good game. Um, no show on Saturday, Tammy, because uh, it's actually Aunt Olivia's birthday as well. So Heather's having a birthday party for her in South Carolina. 
um, from one to five, and then my parents are having a birthday dinner for me at their house. So I know you you have to work, so we'll just meet us at my parents for dinner. But uh, who, what, when, where, why? Heather is throwing a birthday party for Olivia oh. in South Carolina in the afternoon on Saturday. So, gotcha. See, so anyways, the Bengals and Ravens tonight. Uh, that'll be an interesting game. No one cares. I don't know how good it'll be, but anyway, we'll see. Easy does it. We will definitely do a birthday bong rip for you. Good so. night, Sparky. Anyway, I don't know if that Sparky's leaving. It might be Wix. Oh, Wix is leaving. Okay. Uh, I don't think Olivia. No, uh, Olivia might be here tomorrow. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Craziness. We'll see. Anyway. Moving right into the Hunter Biden bullshit because that's all the Joe Biden bullshit too. You know, it's on. all part. It's part and parcel, I believe. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it's pretty much the same thing at this point. All right. I was giving you the last hit, baby. I appreciate you. Yeah. You know, it's your birthday weekend. You know, mm -hmm. you get that special attention. You know, your birthday weekend. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. All right, so look at this. Yeah. While Hunter's criminal charges play out in court, the congressional investigation into his business dealings continues. Leading the charge there is Congressman Jim Jordan, who joins us now. Congressman, what's the state of play in the Hunter Biden investigation? We got a handful of more depositions to do, Stuart. Uh, we want to talk to, we want to talk to Hunter Biden. We want to talk to James Biden who did all this business together. Uh, and we want to talk to his business partners, Eric Schwerin, Bob Alinsky, Rob Walker. And then, I, frankly, we just sent a subpoena to this, this Kevin Morris individual. He's the guy who stepped forward and paid Hunter Biden's like $2.5 million in back taxes he owed, just, I guess, out of the goodness of his heart. Uh, so we want to talk to him as well. But the plan is to do those final depositions and then make a decision on, we're in the impeachment inquiry. Do we move forward with actual articles of impeachment and I think uh, we will present this to the conference and we'll make a decision as a conference if the facts warrant going to actual articles and moving into uh, full impeachment of, of the president. So th they're both moving forward, albeit at a slow pace. Investigation of Hunter and the impeachment of, the, of President Biden. That's, it's going forward, but it's slow. Yeah. Well, the, the idea is to finish up all the all the depositions and the documents that we so the, we got three committees working on. You got the Ways and Means Committee where the whistleblowers came forward and told us about how bad the investigation was run, how unusual, how it was slow walked uh, the investigation into Hunter Biden. Then you have Chairman Comer's committee who are looking at uh, you know the suspicious activity reports, the 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 bank records. They've subpoenaed those. They're they're compiling that information. That's where we learned about the two hundred thousand dollar check, the forty thousand dollar check that initially came from China. Uh, they're working on that. And then our committee is, is actually digging. We've now deposed seven different people who were a part of the Hunter Biden investigation. Um, I think the overall picture, Stuart, is pretty basic. This is, as, you know, this is a story as old as the hills. You got a politician who takes certain action that benefits his family financially. And then there's an effort to sweep it under the rug to conceal it. And that's exactly what we saw, particularly with with David Weiss. We saw him let the statute of limitations expire for the tax years 2014 and 2015 regarding Hunter Biden, because those are the tax years he got all the money from the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. And that, if he digs into that, that takes him right to the White House, right to Joe Biden and his involvement 
in uh, Burisma back when, uh, back when he was uh, vice president of the United States. Carlson, do voters care? Because this has been going on for some time, and there's, there's a degree of uh, impeachment fatigue, investigation fatigue. Will this show up at the ballot box? Uh, our focus is not on the, how this may play one way or the other politically. Our focus is on the facts. We have a constitutional duty to do oversight. We are doing that. We had whistleblowers come forward who told us about what was going on with the investigation. And we know the fundamental facts. I think this story is really told, Stuart, with, with again, Joe Biden's involvement with the company Burisma. There are four fundamental facts with, with uh, the Ukrainian energy company. Fact number one, Hunter Biden gets put on the board of that company. Fact number two, he's not qualified to be on the board. He said so himself in an interview. He got the job because of his last name. Fact number three, the Burisma executives asked Hunter Biden to help them with the pressure they are under from the prosecutor in Ukraine. Fact number four, Hunter Biden calls his dad. His dad goes to Ukraine and gets that prosecutor fired. And more importantly, he says, if you don't fire the prosecutor, he was not going to release the money that had already been approved by the president of the State Department, the loan money going to Ukraine. So he leveraged our tax money to get an outcome that benefited his family. That is, and that all squares, by the way, with what the confidential human source told the FBI that was recorded in this now somewhat famous 1023 form where they lay out the, that, that fact pattern. So I think that's central to the case. There's things that's being added to it that Mr. Comer and the Oversight Committee have, have put together. That will all be presented to our conference here uh, mm -hmm. shortly, and then we'll make a decision. Uh, a lot of us thought that when the GOP presidential field narrowed, that support for Trump would go down. In fact, it's gone up. He now leads DeSantis by 48 points and Haley by 51 points. Is he the undisputed leader yeah. of the Republican Party? Heck yes. And, and, and the, the polls that I think mattered even maybe more than that are the polls that show him beating Joe Biden. And the reason that's going on is because Americans are smart. They remember how good things were a few years ago, and they know what's happened now. I mean, I, I always say we literally went from a secure border to no border. We went from safe streets to record crime. We went from $2 gas to $3, $4, $5 gas. And we went from stable prices to record inflation. And then, of course, not to mention, we projected strength from the White House under President Trump. And, of course, today we have Joe Biden. Um, and then finally, maybe the thing that scares me the most and we spent so much time on is how these federal agencies have been turned on we the people, whether it's censorship, whether it's the FBI going after pro-life Catholics, whether it's the DOJ looking into moms and dads who are showing up at school board meetings. So I think when, when Americans step back and look at all that, they say, man, we long for the days where we had President Trump who did what he said he was going to do and actually made yeah. things so much better so. in our great country. That was a very good rundown of the major issues of Biden. Well, what, what are those really? The major issues? No, those are what's going to kill Biden at the polls. Because think about it, folks. If you're going to vote, you, you want this shit that's been going on for the last three years? I don't. Well, according to Biden, raising, things are great. Raising prices, raising... Look, look, every trucker out there knows when they go to fill their tank up. And if you're one of the free road truckers, you know how bad it hurts you because a thousand dollars for fuel is no fucking small price to pay mm -hmm. when you pull up to the fucking gas pump. Most pumps won't even go up that high anymore. Farmers. They won't go up that high. They won't let you put that much money on there. Farmers. Look, I, I, I heard about this the other day. There was a farmer dude, a, a buddy of mine up in, uh, he lives just a little bit north of us. 
he was telling me the other day that he went to fill up his truck and the pump stopped at five ninety nine. And he's like, wait, I still have 22 more gallons to go. They wouldn't let him fill. The, he couldn't go to another pump and start another pump and insert his, his no, no, the credit card shuts down. No, no, it's not about the credit card. It's about the amount of gas mm -hmm. and fuel that they have on stock. So you can Being only, they're already rationing it. Yeah. They're already saying, wait, you can only get so much. He had to go to another gas station to fill the rest of his tank up. Think about that. Folks, that's no joke. When we're getting there, we're, we already have problems. They automatically cut you off and say, no, you, no, 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 no. That's not what your sign on your door says. That's, whoa, that's not what you said. Every sale is acceptable here. Well, this is my sale. This is what I want. Well, According to our law, you provide it. Joe says everything's great. Look. Yeah. Oh. He just said this at APAC. Listen. Median household wealth has grown by 37% in real terms since before the pandemic. What? I, I, Median household wealth has grown by 37% in real terms since before the pandemic. Median household wealth has grown by 37% in real terms since before the pandemic. Really? You know what he's looking at? You know what the numbers they gave mm, him? Mm. They gave him what? when people had all the COVID money, oh. right? They were doing well under Trump and then they got a shit ton of COVID money. Yeah, I remember that. Now they lost it all, but yeah, that's, that's not- That's gone. That's, that's not what he's talking about. No. Yeah. Did you know that your, your wealth has grown by 37%? Y'all, did you it. know that your wealth has grown by 37%? Yeah, I kind of felt it because I consider that chicken thing out there 37%. I mean, and you know what? I consider 15% the hate from the neighbor. So I, I, I consider all of that in my equation. But yeah, I, I think my wealth has grown over 37%. Yeah, mm. in a way. Because you know what I stopped relying on? The United the States federal government. Mm -hmm. So when I stopped relying on it, I just said, fuck it. Yeah, my wealth has grown. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I think it has. People are starting yeah. to, maybe people are starting to wake up. We'll see. I don't think so. Back to this point about, you know, the GDP. I mean, I can't think of an election anywhere in America where somebody goes to the polls because they said, you know what, I'm going to vote for this guy because the GDP looks so good. Americans understand that. Republicans understand that. Or they wouldn't be throwing red meat to their base. Right. Why mm -hmm. don't Democrats understand that? They're starting to. And I think I have to say, too, that I think in our business, by that, I mean journalism, politics. I think that too often cynicism gets mistaken for sophistication. And there is just this sense of, to your point, Joe, nobody's going to go to the polls for democracy. Nobody really cares if women don't have the right uh, to decide what happens to their own bodies. Well, it turns out that Americans aren't as cynical as the rest of us, at least a majority of them. And that is why they're voting, because they do see Donald Trump I believe, for who he is. They do see fascism. They are concerned about it. They want to have a better future for their children. My goddaughter is six years old and has fewer rights than I had 30 years ago. <laughs> so yes. 
I think that is actually what is motivating people. People still want America to succeed as a pluralistic, multiracial democracy. That is, for I think the majority of voters, still the vision that animates. It's still inspiring. And I don't know that anywhere in the world has, has necessarily uh, a more beautiful vision, though we haven't gotten there. Right. And why, why Democrats can't tell that story consistently is, I think, a constant frustration. I mean, there's a lot to be uh, proud of. There's a lot to be concerned about. Right. But find out kind of what hits the heart. And that's what will get people to the polls. I, I, I love what play on emotion, not facts. Holy shit. This just hit me. Hold on real quick, folks. Hey, really quick. When you have those, as we've come to call them, the transgender cuck fucking beta male piece of shit fucking fags that are just queer. What do they become in the female world? That, that is what they become in the female world. Did, did you just hear her? Nothing she said, not a fucking statement she made. After she made the statement about journalists and journalism and politics and how the two of them vibe together, not a statement she made after that point was based in any fact. I literally can decimate everything she said because everything she said was talking points from 2020. How can you consider yourself a news organization when you're still talking about something that happened three fucking years ago? If you're saying that your goddaughter is six years old and has fewer rights than you did 30 years ago, um, think what administration we're under currently. Oh, shit. Liberal one. What happens when liberals are in charge? Less rights for the American people. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm. shit. But, you know. Not only am I racist because I'm a black woman, but not, not only that, she's racist for being a black woman. But she's racist because she believes everybody else lives above her are are you kidding me she has no idea how the rest of america lives she's never seen a well i wonder how i'm going to eat tomorrow or feed my family she's never wondered well wait a minute do i put gas in my truck because it's thirteen hundred dollars and it's going to starve my family that can't buy six hundred dollars worth of groceries or do I see if I can make it on a thousand gallons? And how many of you truckers have made that decision? The independent truckers, obviously, because I know the company ones, they all have a gas card. But you independent truckers, how many of you sat there and said, shit, yeah, how do I do that? Because I'm supporting essentially two households, one on wheels and one in a fucking fixed structure. You know, the. This she, shit is nuts, folks. On. But she's she's talking about that. She was talking about the Democratic message. Yeah, no, I know the what she was talking about. I know, the about. Democrats message, right? 
Not the because you're right, Pequest. We are not a democracy. We're a republic. Correct. A constitutional republic if we can keep it, which we lost it quite a long time ago. We did. However. When we incorporated, unfortunately. They are currently losing their base. Yeah, why? Listen to this. Twelve years ago, Americans came together in celebration of the death of 9-11 mastermind Osama bin Laden, the man responsible, of course, for orchestrating the ruthless deaths of nearly 3,000 innocent Americans. People gathered outside of the White House chanting USA, USA, and proudly holding up American flags. Take a look at this. But what a difference apparently 12 years makes. Fast forward to today and the terrorist leader's vile letter to America, where he justifies the September 11th terror attacks and condemns the United States for its support of Israel is going viral again. Now that Israel is at war with Hamas, some people are reading his letter and appear to be praising some of bin Laden's words all over social media. William Lajeunesse joins us live now with the details. William. Well, Tammy, what happened here in the last 24 hours is emblematic of something that's happening every day. Right or wrong, real or not, social media, especially TikTok, is transforming the national conversation. So here's what happened. A pro-Palestinian influencer discovered a letter written by Osama bin Laden 20 years ago on the webpage of a British newspaper. She then posted a video saying bin Laden, the man responsible for 9-11, was right. Jews have no historical right to Israel and that he blames America for any and all violence in the Middle East. Quote, I need everyone to stop what they're doing right now and go read the letter, she says, because, quote, I'm going through like an existential crisis. Well, people did. Her video got 2 million views and 200,000 likes, with most saying they too feel angry, manipulated, and lied to by U.S. media and schools. The conversation then migrated to Reddit and Twitter, with hundreds of thousands commenting and posting similar views. Yet most of these videos offer zero context on bin Laden. Nine okay. That's some of the dumbest shit I've heard no, no, no. today. But listen, listen to what he said. They're upset. They feel like they have been misled and lied to by the media and their schools. Interesting. Don't think about the context. Put a, put aside the whole Israel Hamas bin Laden thing, okay? That's just the vehicle. That's the messenger. This conflict is making all the Democrats, the, the crazy fucking Gen Zers, the blue-haired pussy boys, finally understand that the government has lied to them their entire lives, that the schools have literally been indoctrination camps, that everything that they've been told about our history, about what our government hey, does, is a lie. All the rest of our conspiracy theories are coming true. Yes. They Holy are all shit. waking up. We're at like a thousand percent Understand. right now. They wow. are all waking up. Holy shit. They're all waking up. So, so the world is crashing in on. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Think about it. That's crazy. That's nuts. That's, 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 you can't even 
I, I, I don't know. They are losing everything. They're losing their base. They're losing their narrative. They are losing everything to include the, the support for Israel. Correct. <laughs> Correct. You, you do have that, right? What's that? The vote for the Israel aid. <laughs> oh, know? that was a while ago. No, I know, but you know that the other part just hit the Senate. <laughs> oh, and they said no too. They have to vote. They have to vote tomorrow on it. They're voting tomorrow on it. Gotcha. <laughs> it's going to be epic when they deny this. This is like, ah, uh, this is a ballsy move. You know, Big Mike Johnson. He, he played his balls pretty early in his hand. He put this one in their hands. It got approved in the House, even with lateral support from the Democrats. 11 of them voted for it. Uh, this is independent Israel aid. Uh, we're willing to do $14.5 billion, but also understand that in this aid bill, it requires a $14.5 billion cut from the IRS. So this is not going to get approved tomorrow. This is getting shot down. Why is this a big deal? Because Big Mike Johnson, he just kind of played his cards. He kind of showed his hand a little bit. He was like, look, I'll work with you, but we're going to work in independent bills and every independent bill that we pass will go forward for exactly the thing we want the money to go to. If not, we're not approving it because the Senate made a bill and sent it back to the House for appropriations in the Appropriations Committee. Ding, knocked that bitch out of the park, said, nope, we ain't paying for that. So right now we have a very black and white government and this is not good for our people. Because we don't see the world that way. They're the only ones that see it that way. Just saying. I really want to play something for you. I really, but it's an hour long. What is it? We already dropped Red Pill. We I know we did. We I want. know. Well, I mean, you do have TNT tonight and you got to make dinner, but I could make dinner. I mean, it's flank steak, but I can put it on the broiler. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is it? It's Scott Horton did a uh, a thing about Waco. I think I've already seen this. It just it just came yeah, out. Yeah, no, I think I've already watched it on the this. Yeah, yeah, I think of. Yeah, because he brings up oh, that's being the different. Three, that's the three-hour long version. This is the hour-long version. That's the hour-long one, yes. I think I already saw this. Or we can but, watch the three-hour-long version tomorrow. But I know you wanted to watch the, the movie tomorrow. Yeah, well, we'll see what we'll do tomorrow. We'll talk about it more tomorrow. Well, Before we're It kind of depends on, like, do we, do we watch this hour-long one now? Well, that's up to you. What or, do you want to do? Um, or do we watch the three-hour-long one tomorrow? What do you want to do? I, it's your birthday. 
well, I mean, I don't care. I haven't seen the three hour long one. I saw the hour long one. That's up to you. I don't but remember, we got to bring in Red Pill and then cut them. They're going to miss unless they jump over a substantial portion of it. True that. Both sides. So Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Because they are two separate it, it, two it separate would be better to do it like a Sunday. True that. All and right. we do the three hours on Sunday. Maybe we'll do that on your birthday. Ooh, we could do that. But should we play this hour-long one now? Because it's a different, I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot more detail in the three-hour-long one. Yeah, well, let's do the hour one long now. So that way everybody wants to come in on my birthday and watch that one. Okay. So how's that? There we Sounds go. Good. That works. I so, think that's a good thing. If you guys aren't familiar with Waco. Yeah, this is interesting. This is um this kind of is this is where I'm at. I'm kind of like, you know, I remember Waco. You all do too. I know you do. Well, maybe not so, everybody. Most people do. So let's talk about Waco for one second. When we remember, when you bring up the words Waco, you think Branch Davidians, you think, oh, it's a compound. Oh, it was this, that. And I asked this question a while ago, especially after the series aired on fucking, uh, what was it? Uh, it wasn't Netflix, but it was on Showtime or something. It was like a one of their special series, the Waco thing. Leo, our birthdays are nine days apart. So mine is tomorrow and Mix is on the 26th. So I started looking more into what they were talking about. And all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute. What if these were just people like you and me yeah. that believed in making their own food, believed in taking care of their own animals, taking care of their own people, taking care of their tribe, essentially. So what you've been told, what the narrative was, Put all that aside. Get rid of the Branch Davidians. Get rid of the the the, the conspiracy cult like attitude that was going on there, and that he was having sex with all of these kids, and all this other crazy shit was going on. And listen to this. Yes, this is scary shit, folks. Makes you wonder what we've been doing for. Hi, right, thanks, you guys. Really appreciate that. Okay, so. Uh, this speech is about the Waco massacre 30 years ago, and I've never really given this as a speech before, although I sure have presented it a lot of times on the radio, including just a couple of weeks ago, I went to LA and I sat down with the guy that produced the best documentary about Waco. His name is Dan Gifford, and the movie is called Waco, The Rules of Engagement, and uh, David Hardy, who wrote the best book about Waco called This Is Not An Assault. And I sat down with them for two days and a morning and interviewed them about the entire story all the way through. And then plus interspliced clips with religious experts, gun experts, infrared experts, and the best journalists and all of that. The entire thing edited down is 13 hours long. But it's the 30th anniversary and I decided that somebody's gotta do it. There are three new books out basically represent the ATF's point of view. And there's a new documentary that they put out on Netflix that again emphasizes the ATF's point of view. And I thought, and I had a conversation with Dan Gifford that we really shouldn't let them get away with that. So as long as they're gonna exploit the anniversary to you know, um, 
reestablish their narrative, then I think those of us who know better should, you know, live up to our obligation to tell a different version of what happened there. So, and I guess at the end I'll talk about why I think this is still important, because after all, I was 16 years old 30 years ago when it happened. And so what the hell is the point anyway? All right, so first of all, I mean, the, this story is pretty commonly known, although I know that there are some young people here. Um, and I spoke to a couple earlier who had never heard of the Waco incident in any context whatsoever. So I'll try to not assume how much knowledge I'll have. But the common story, of course, is that this very culty group, uh, much like Jim Jones or the Charles Manson cults or something like that, got into a conflict with the ATF when they ambushed them uh, one sunny Sunday morning, and then they later killed themselves in a mass suicide by fire, leaving the FBI very upset. And that's, you know, essentially the common uh, story, you know, as told by TV and, you know, received conventional wisdom. Again, retold in this latest documentary on Netflix. Um, so, but it does raise the question of who were these people, first of all, and what were they doing there in this? It is a strange building. TV and the government, of course, insists we call it a compound. Pretend that there's a wall around it, even though there was no wall. Pretend that it was multiple buildings, even though there were no multiple buildings. And it's actually not a compound, but they demanded that we call their house a compound to sort of try to militarize the situation from the very beginning. And what it really was is sort of like a redneck mansion, right? It's a, it was a giant plywood and sheetrock house that where, you know, somewhere like 100, 120 people lived. And it was, you know, sort of a commune and it was their church and their dormitory where they lived. The sect had been there since, well, they'd been in Waco since the 1930s, I believe, and they had been at this property at Mount Carmel since the 1950s. So this group had long predated their leader, David Koresh. And essentially it was a breakoff group from the Seventh-day Adventists. And the Adventists are Protestant Christians who emphasize uh, the book of Revelations and the end times and the seven seals and all this kind of thing, founded in the mid 19th century. And by the time you get to the Branch Davidians, this is I think a breakoff group of a breakoff group. Maybe add one more in there. Um, and this is something that's very common in American uh, religious history, and especially among uh, you know lower social class Protestant sects. That a lot of times they divide off into much smaller and smaller separate groups. And uh, you know, I guess to put all the cards on the table here is important part of the story, certainly from the government's point of view, was that the leader of the Branch Davidians, Vernon Howell, AKA David Koresh, was not a very good guy. He clearly was exploiting his position of power over these people. He wasn't only their minister. He claimed to be foretold in the Bible as the final lamb of God who will come and interpret the seven seals before the end of the world. And so quite contrary to claims by the FBI and the television media, especially at the time, he never claimed to be Jesus. They were Christians and worshiped Jesus. He claimed to be this other figure 
prophesied in uh, some of the Bible passages, who had the special talent to interpret the seals. And then he used his followers' belief in that really to exploit them. He was taking advantage of very young kids, not prepubescent, but right at the line, young girls. And even though it's legal in the state of Texas, or at least it was then, I'm not sure now, but it was legal uh, to marry 14-year-olds with parental consent in Texas at the time. He was clearly guilty of statutory rape, marrying, quote-unquote, and having sex with girls as young as 12 and 13 years old. And he was also taking the wives of his followers and saying that, well, it says here in the Bible that these should live as celibates and the lamb should be able to uh, create this ruling council of 24 children to take over the planet after Christ returns and whatever. And these are going to be my 24 children and all this. So by, by telling the people this and convincing them this, he was taking advantage of his followers, wives, and young girls. That much is true. And he was guilty of statutory rape. And if he'd been convicted for it, he probably would have gone to the penitentiary for it in the state of Texas. It's not a federal crime. There's nothing that has no part of David Koresh's sins against his own followers, which he didn't sin against anyone else, but no part of what he did against his own people there that we would consider transgressions, whether they thought so or not. None of that has anything to do with federal law whatsoever. And not any mention of that, frankly, is a red herring by the war party who uses that as an excuse to demonize not just Koresh, but then, of course, all of his followers as bad people and people who therefore aren't worth protecting. And it was a huge part of their narrative. But the charge was a gun charge. What they did was they said that this group was stockpiling all these weapons in preparation for Armageddon. They were going to take all these rifles and they were going to march on downtown Waco and take the place over and kill everybody. And next thing you know, they'll be rolling on Saudi Arabia. And Yes. But that was the threat. And the reality was the only reason the Davidians were interested in guns is because it was a business. It wasn't part of their religious beliefs at all. And in fact, as I recently learned, they weren't even interested in guns at all until 1991 two years before this group that had been around all this time. And the only reason they were, became interested in guns was because a friend of theirs, who was not a Davidian, but was interested and was sort of a fellow traveler with them, owned a gun business and recommended to them that, hey, don't you know the Democrats are getting elected? You should buy AR-15s and other semi-automatic rifles in quantity, wait till the Democrats pass their assault weapons ban, and then sell them at a higher price. And that was the only reason they did it. It was simply an investment, as so many libertarians do when Democrats are, seem like they're going to win. <laughs> it's time to invest in rifles that are going to, and ammunition that are about to go up in value. And that was, that was the basis of it. And in fact, uh, you know, they had a thriving gun business uh, where they would go to gun shows. And so that massive stockpile of weapons that the government said was for violence was really just an inventory for their business. They are no more interested in murdering anyone than all the people at the Pork Fest uh, here this week walking around with guns on their hips. It had nothing to do with that. Now, if you're a liberal Democrat from, from Washington, D.C., you might not understand that 
Texans are just into guns. We don't consider them murder weapons at all. That's not what they're for. They're for fun and for self-defense and for keeping tyranny at bay for some day that never comes. But they're, they're not for, uh, for initiating a violent act. What are you, crazy? And this is a, a Christian group. And they weren't, they, none of them were in trouble with the law for any reason. They tried to conflate the Branch Davidians with like the Charles Manson cult. But the Charles Manson cult was pure criminality from beginning to end. And if you read Daryl Cooper um, or listen to that podcast, you find out all about how the government was aiding and abetting the Manson cult all along as part of their fun and games uh, in that era. But the Branch Davidians were nothing like that. None of them had criminal records or certainly, um, uh, you know, nothing current and nothing violent, nothing like that whatsoever. They're decent folks. That's all they were. But the ATF essentially had a problem of public relations. Now, they had been caught at uh, the, what was called the Good Old Boys Roundup. And they had been filmed, and, and there were photographs of all these ATF agents posing in front of a Confederate flag, and I'm pretty sure not in a fun-loving, generally the orange Dodge Challenger kind of a way, but more like uh, actual really hate black people kind of a way. And they were selling N-word hunting licenses at this rally. And they had made 60 Minutes, did a big presentation on it. They were also being sued for sexual harassment and racial harassment of female and black employees of the ATF. And I know y'all are familiar, at least you know, superficially, with uh, what had happened at Ruby Ridge in the summer of 1992. It was really the federal marshals that killed the boy and it was the FBI hostage rescue team that killed the wife. But it was the ATF that set Randy Weaver up in the first place and got the whole thing kicked off. So among the fraternity of federal police agencies, ATF got the blame for that. Now, when Clinton was running for president, some of you oldsters might remember that Al Gore had this gimmick called reinventing government. We're gonna cut waste, fraud, and abuse, right? The margin, in other words, maybe nothing. But one of his ideas for reinventing government was let's abolish the ATF or let's take it from the Treasury Department and give it to justice. Well, the ATF is already the redheaded stepchild compared to the FBI. But if they were taken away from the Treasury Department and put at the Justice Department, they would basically be hunting moonshiners only and the FBI and those guys would have just taken all of their authority away. And so this was an absolute crisis not for America, but for the BATF. So they needed a public relations stunt. This is after 12 years of Reagan and Bush. Now the pendulum's swinging the other way, and it was 1993 era version of woke, political correctness at that time. Everything was recycling and Captain Planet and baby blue UN flags and, you know, Bill Clinton and his feminist co-president wife who's coming into power at all this time. And so at ATF, they said, we've got to impress these Democrats. And here's how we'll do it. We'll pick on these mullet-headed rednecks out in the country. Even though they're the ones at the redneck rally selling N-word hunting licenses. They're going to find some right-wingers to beat up on to impress the Democrats. And they had an appropriations hearing coming up in just two weeks. 
That's why the raid on the Branch Davidians was called Operation Showtime. This wasn't about David Koresh. It wasn't about guns. It was about the power of these bureaucrats to maintain their power. Simple as that. Now, the investigation of the Davidians was an absolute farce. Again, they were completely innocent of any crime. If they were guilty of any offenses, it's possible that they owed a $200 tax. There is some evidence and some admission and reason to believe that they did have a few fully automatic rifles on their premises at the time. Now again, if you're a liberal Democrat from Washington, D.C., you might not understand that that's perfectly legal if you pay your $200 tax for your machine gun license. That's the law. Um, in fact, in case I forget, I'll say now, after this whole thing was over, Koresh's lawyer asked the federal prosecutor, if you guys had proverbially just gotten Koresh while he was out jogging or shopping at Walmart, as everybody says, and he had been found guilty on all the original charges in the search warrant, what would he have been facing? And the federal prosecutor said about five years probation. So that's all it was. It's a technical violation, not a crime, an offense against a state edict was all. But man, you should read that warrant. And we have it in the show notes of the recent podcast. It is really nothing but an exercise in conspiracy theory, truth, or crap. They say, well, this Branch Davidian got caught with pot at the Mexican border in 1983. And this Branch Davidian got caught with pot at the Canadian border in 1985. And the UPS man says that they got some beakers in the mail. So we're pretty sure they're running a methamphetamine lab. It all fits like Russiagate. And it's the same with the gun charges. They say, well, the UPS man found some dummy hand grenades. But that's exactly what they were, dummy hand grenades. You know, like a pineapple hand grenade from the old Vietnam War movies, right? But there's no gunpowder in them. And what the Davidians were doing with them was they were making novelties. You may have seen these at a gun shop. It says, complaint department, take a number. But you have to pull the pin from the grenade to take a number. Hilarious, right? 80-something people died over that. Because the UPS guy called the cops. And the cops called the ATF. And they opened up this investigation. It's one of the avenues that this investigation started. But if you read the warrant, it's nothing but tiny little tidbits of nothing. No honest judge could read that warrant and say, you have demonstrated probable cause that you're going to find evidence of a crime if you raid this place. There was nothing like that in there. It was just a bunch of crap. And it was full of mistakes, which demonstrated that they were in a real hurry. They had not investigated a case, found that they had probable cause to believe there were crimes, and then had to go and arrest the perpetrators and enforce the law like in their writ. It wasn't like that. They needed a stunt, and they found somebody to beat up on. So now they had to build a case, which is exactly what they did. And in fact, if you watch the documentary, Waco, The Rules of Engagement, you can see there's a clip from the congressional footage where the friend that I mentioned who got them into the gun business, his name was Henry McMahon. And he had a retail store, I'm almost certain, had a retail store with a front door um, where he bought and sold guns. 
And one time the ATF came to his store and started asking about David Koresh. So McMahon, I don't know, maybe being a loyal friend, went in the back and got on the phone and called David Koresh and said, hey, David, I got the ATF right here and they're asking about your guns. And Koresh said, well, send them on over. And I know this because we have the testimony from, from Henry McMahon before Congress, but I also just interviewed Paul Fatta, the surviving Branch Davidian, who was standing right next to David Koresh on the other side of the phone call. And David said, send them on out. We'd be happy to show them all of our weapons. And they said, no, no, don't go, don't go. And then they got so mad at Henry McMahon. What are you doing? You could have blown our whole thing. We didn't tell you to do that. They wanted a raid. They want to show up invited to inspect. Then they send an undercover agent, not an informant, but an actual agent of the ATF named Robert Rodriguez. And they sent him undercover inside the Branch Davidians for weeks. And they all knew he was a cop. And they told him over and over again, no problem. And they just tried to teach him the Bible and win him over. And he reported back to the ATF that these people really aren't bad people. And they said, ah, oh, see, they're getting you too, huh? In the morning of the raid, Robert Rodriguez was there. And what happened was the ATF had notified all the media to be there. Something big's going to happen at Waco. Gave them the address and everything. Well, the cameramen from KWTX NBC Waco were already there in the front yard waiting for the shootout to start. The mailman gets stopped by, I forget if it was a federal cop, I believe it was a federal cop, and he says, hey, you better get out of here. There's about to be a shootout out of that cult compound over there. But the mailman was David Jones. He was a member of the group. So he went home and told them, there's about to be a raid. So, oh, and I'm sorry, I forgot, I have to say, uh, nine days before, Robert Rodriguez and two of the other undercover ATF agents, not informants, but full bore cops, they came to the Branch Davidians and said, hey, do you guys want to go shooting? They brought the guns, the cops. The Davidians brought the ammo. And the cops handed David Koresh their gun, I believe, I forgot exactly, I think a 38, and an AR-15 to shoot. David Koresh shot their guns and handed them back. And they said, hey, good shooting, no problem. So that's what the ATF agents actually thought of David Koresh. They actually thought that he was not dangerous at all. They were perfectly happy to hand him an AR-15 with a full magazine to shoot. He's having a good time. So that morning, the cameraman's there. Perry, uh, David Jones, the mailman, is warned. The element of surprise is lost. And you'll hear this from the ATF agents now. They'll even throw their bosses under the bus and say they knew the element of surprise was lost and they sent us anyway and they shouldn't have done that. And that's true, they shouldn't have. And the element of surprise was lost and that's a pretty crazy way to launch a massive SWAT raid. But you see baked in there is a lie that that's why the Branch Davidians ambushed us and killed us because they were ready for us because the element of surprise had been lost. And if only it hadn't been, 
then the raid would have been a great success. But that's just not true. It's great the way, it's interesting the way they're able to sneak that argument in with the element of the surprise being lost in the story. The cops pulled up and they're in two big cattle trailers covered in tarps. One of the names for it was Operation Trojan Horse. Somehow what, they're supposed to look like they're lost or something turning around in the Davidians driveway, I don't know. They have two big cattle trailers full of cops. There's something like 75 ATF agents. After about an hour and a half gun battle, four of them had been killed. That is proof right there that it was not an ambush. Two of them died on the roof, may have been shot by friendly fire, although that's not entirely clear. Certainly one ATF agent was shot by friendly fire. I don't think he was killed though. And one of the agents who was killed was in the front. And this is according to their own version of the story after several minutes of gunfire at the front before the, this agent was killed. And I'm sorry, I don't know the location of the fourth, but the fact that they did not take massive casualties, wounds or deaths in the initial minutes of the raid is proof that it was not an ambush. And there's absolute multiple witness, I mean, I don't know, 10 different people, including I believe some of the ATF agents admitted that David Koresh came to the door, opened the door, and some say even came outside and said, whoa, whoa, stop, stop, there's women and children in here. And they opened fire. They shot the dogs, they shot Koresh in the side and in the hand, I believe, and then one of the bullets went under his arm and shot his father-in-law in the sternum. And he ran back inside and the ATF just opened up on the place. And you can see in their own footage, the, the, no, you can't see in their own footage, they destroyed all that and lied about it, but you can see in the news footage where the cops are just absolutely opening up mag dump at walls at windows that they cannot see in and they don't know who's in there. They do know that there are women and children in there by the scores and they're blindly firing through the walls, emptying their magazines in there. They killed six Branch Davidians in the raid and I forgot how many they wounded, 17 or something like that. Two of the killed Branch Davidians almost certainly were killed by National Guard helicopters. Texas National Guard helicopters on loan from the Texas government to the ATF in the name of the war on drugs, in the name of the outright lie that the Branch Davidians had a meth lab in there, or that any of them were criminals or involved in the drug trade in any way whatsoever, or even consuming illegal drugs in any way. And under that excuse, they used helicopters, Hueys from Vietnam that they came and killed Winston Blake as he sat on his bed eating breakfast and killed, um, oh, I'm so sorry, the name of the guy um, was on the tip of my tongue who was uh, essentially working, uh, I believe scraping rust in the water tower and who went up to see what was going on. And you can see in rules of engagement, the helicopter flies by as he drops to the deck. And it, it is possible that he was shot by a sniper from the ground and that the helicopter flying by is just a coincidence there, but that's what the footage shows. Um, and now if you watch the recent documentary on Netflix, or if you watch recent interviews of the ATF agents telling their story here, it's just completely preposterous. 
They said that the Branch Davidians had 50 caliber machine guns. That from the moment that they pulled up, the Branch Davidians opened up with a cascade of fully automatic weapons fire. In an uh, interview with KWTX, an uh, ATF agent claimed that the Branch Davidians fired 100,000 rounds that day. Or, no, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He says, he says they fired over 10,000 and that the ATF fired 1,000. I believe the ATF fired 1,000. I don't believe the Branch Davidians fired even that many. Um, when you look at how many ATF agents were engaged and in, in, involved in that firefight on that first day. How am I doing on time, by the way? Well, like how much, am I halfway through? Okay, okay. It's a long story. I got to try to keep it in proportion here. Um, and they also claim in the new Netflix documentary that the Branch of are throwing hand grenades at them. And yet we still only have four dead. They're just lying. It could not possibly be true in a 90-minute firefight that four ATF agents were killed when the Branch Davidians just opened up at them with fully automatic rifles, including a 50 caliber machine gun and throwing hand grenades at them and the rest. It's just fantasy. It did not happen. And in fact, the first thing that did happen on the inside of the house, you know, right around the time of the first fire being returned anyway, was that Wayne Martin, who was the second black man to graduate from Harvard Law School and was a religious scholar who was living there with the Branch Davidians, picked up the phone and called 911. And you can hear the audio in the new podcast and in the movie Rules of Engagement. Help, help, there's 75 men surrounding our building. They're shooting at us. We got women and children in danger. Call it off. But the local sheriff's department well, first of all, criminals don't call 911, okay? Secondly, the Sheriff's Department had no ability to communicate with the ATF. So even though the Branch Davidians are begging for a ceasefire from the very first moments of the raid, they can't negotiate one. They're in no position to communicate with the ATF whatsoever. It takes more than an hour and a half for finally a college police officer was able to get, uh, was able to communicate with the sheriff's department and head out there and get in contact with the ATF. And then the negotiation to even get a ceasefire and the ATF's withdrawal from the house that morning was a jumbled mess. And people were still getting shot and killed even while they supposedly had ceasefires and all this because the communication was so absolutely poor. And they just had no backup plan whatsoever. The only thing to be thankful for about that raid is that they never gained access to the inside of the house other than a couple of agents on the roof went into a room that supposedly was a gun storage room and very quickly came back out again. And this is where I think the question of the friendly fire comes in. But they were not able to do anything like a room-to-room -room sweep operation through that house. When thank God for that. There's no telling how many people would have been killed if they'd been able to get inside that front door in any real numbers at the beginning of the raid. So... The Branch Davidians finally negotiate a ceasefire. The ATF's just out of ammo. And the Davidians let them come and get their wounded, and, and they don't snipe them. They do not shoot at them one bit. They're begging for a ceasefire the whole time. And once the ATF ceases fire, the Branch Davidians respect it. They get their men, and they leave the property. At that point, of course, first of all, the public relations machine goes into full gear. 
This is Charlie Manson. This is Jim Jones. These people are murderers. They somehow lured and tricked our ATF agents into raiding them and then ambushed them with fully automatic weapons. And our hero police of law enforcement have uh, been forced to withdraw and the crazy cold and we're gonna do something. And that was how the story started. And then the FBI came, pulled rank on ATF, took over the crime scene. Now, the official policy during the siege was to negotiate. And I think anybody here who's seen a Hollywood movie featuring a FBI negotiator knows exactly how this is supposed to go. The negotiator is good cop. And I respect you and I'll work with you and I'm a friend of yours and I'll get you a pizza and I'll get you some cigarettes and what can we do to come to an understanding here? You have a guy with a bank full of hostages what do you do? You placate them. You try to figure out how to save those people's lives. And to be honest, the FBI negotiators, I think, would have liked very much to negotiate an end to this thing, but they were never allowed to. And they, what happened was they brought in what's called the hostage rescue team. Now the FBI has probably hundreds, certainly dozens of SWAT teams. The hostage rescue team is different. They're really not police, they're soldiers. They're trained as Green Berets or like Delta Navy SEALs. They're like second tier special operations forces. So if you think about the Rangers or Delta or SEALs doing night raids on civilian homes in Afghanistan in the war, that's essentially the HRT's job. They're not police officers. They just cash checks that say DOJ on them. But they are essentially part of the special operations community. And here they have an enemy to destroy. And they'll be damned if they're gonna let a bunch of sissy negotiators get in the way of that. These people are cop killers and worse, worse even than killing a cop. They disrespected our authority. They thumbed their nose at us, said they're not coming out to submit to arrest. And so they have to pay. So. Throughout the whole 51 day siege, almost seven weeks, no matter what progress the negotiators made, the hostage rescue team would immediately sabotage it. To have a successful negotiation, the, the Davidians send out some women and children, the HRT shuts off the lights. They make a concession, David Koresh has a few more people come out, they spend the whole next day driving their tanks back and forth over the shallow graves of, oh, it was Peter Gent was shot on the water tower, and they would drive back and forth across Peter Gent's grave, pull down their pants and show their parts to the women in the compound through the window and this kind of thing, and do everything they could to sabotage the negotiations. Now we play the audio in the new podcast. Again, you can see it in Rules of Engagement. It's one of the more infamous parts of the story, I think, is how they started playing rock and roll, and really bad rock and roll. Nancy Sinatra, these boots are made for walking. I don't think that song is about growing up to be a federal cop and crushing the liberties of innocent civilians, but maybe. That was certainly how they played it, and they played Achy Breaky Heart, the worst song of the 1990s, over and over and over again. And that was how it kind of started the psychological warfare operations against the Davidians. But then of course they quickly escalated. And pretty soon they're shining uh, military grade searchlights in all the windows all night long. 
and they're playing on like Spinal Tap, turn it all the way up to 11. They have on absolute full blast and they're playing all night, night after night, day after day, the sounds of rabbits and horses being slaughtered, dogs being slaughtered. And they did this for weeks. I don't know if you guys saw the new Star Wars series Andor. This is how the evil empire tortures the lady. As they put headphones on her, she can't take off and makes her listen to the sound of dying aliens, dying animals. I wonder if the writers for that were going off of Waco. And, and you, it's, I'm telling you, like even as a grown ass man, it's not very nice listening to the sounds of rabbits and horses and dogs being cut to pieces. It's kind of left to your imagination exactly what machine are they being put through here? And then you wonder, like, did they actually kill them just to record them for the Davidians? For these freshly murdered dogs? That they did this just for the Davidians? What are they doing? And, of course, on the Davidian side, David Koresh said that God told him not to come out yet. And so to the vast majority of his followers, God said. If Koresh says God said, then God said. And we're not going. And so you had a situation where the Davidians were so dead set on their own point of view, instead of trying hard to work with that point of view and within the context of that point of view, the FBI could only just confront them. These people don't believe these people don't have faith in Jesus. They're cop killers. They're methamphetamine dealers. They're Charlie Manson cultists. So nothing they say is sincere. All of it is just a ruse. Never mind whether God told David Koresh to wait. We don't even believe that his followers believe that God told them to wait. The whole place is just a den of criminals waiting to be held to account. It was the only way that the cops could see the situation. Meanwhile, inside the compound, everything, the house, everything that's going on outside is straight out of the book of Nahum, dude. It says right in Nahum, they're going to bring tanks. They're going to have these chariots of fire. It says right here in the book of Nabakabak. And it fits with this verse of Daniel and this psalm and this seal. Don't you see? And from the point of view of the Branch Davidians, the only way to understand what was happening to them was through the eyes of biblical prophecy. What does the Bible tell us about what is happening out there right now? That's our first sense. Another five or seven come after that. So this is a bunch of civilians between a rock and a very hard place here, as you can see. So there's two things happening at the same time towards the end of the siege. The first one is the negotiators have been sort of en run. And there are two religious scholars who figured out they really understood the book of Revelation and they really understood what David Koresh was talking about. It's James Tabor and his friend Philip Arnold. And what they did was they went on the radio 
and they made sure the Davidians were listening, you know, turn your satellite dish 180 degrees if you're tuned in today, and then they would do it. That's how they kind of communicate. And Tabor and Arnold came up with this brilliant thing. And they say, look, it says in the Bible here that the Lamb of God has to accomplish X, Y, Z, and he must speak to all nations and all these things. But so our message to Koresh is, Koresh, nobody knew who you were. You had 120 followers. But everyone in the world knows who you are now. So if you will come out, and even from jail, after all, Paul wrote from jail. And so many great biblical figures wrote from imprisonment. You can write in prison in America, and you can tell the whole world what you have to say, but you can't do that if you're killed dead here. So now, and it says in the Bible, he shall speak for a period of a season or days, but days means years. Everybody knows that. And so Koresh, this can't end here. And, and they won him over. And Koresh made a new deal. And he said, I am now going to write my interpretation of the book of Revelations. Before God told me never to write it down. Now he told me to write it down. And of course, he doesn't have to learn how to be a good writer. All he's doing is giving his sermon, and his assistants are recording it on a dictaphone belt and transcribing it all. And the first seal is the longest seal. And they had completed it by April the 18th. And they told the negotiator, we'll send it out in the morning as a show of good faith. We'll get to work on the second seal tomorrow. The negotiator told them, don't worry, there's no time limit. You guys go ahead. And one of the surviving Branch Davidians brought out a CD, or a, maybe it was a floppy disk, with the sermon written on it, with the first seal. And not only did he have the first seal, but he had also written an outline of all seven seals and where to copy and paste in Psalm this and Psalm that and passage this and Daniel that. They didn't have time to put them in yet. But he said, here's where I want to cite all these verses to make my point. And they had that whole outline was already done. In other words, it's just an unquestionable proof that he was living up to his agreement and was working diligently on writing the seven seals. And he had promised that he would come out as soon as they were done. But same time that was going on, that Tabor and Arnold were solving this problem, the FBI had already lost patience weeks ago. And in the middle of March, they had settled on a tear gas attack with what's actually not tear gas, but CS powder much harsher than tear gas, banned by the Geneva Conventions. But it took them weeks to prepare the combat engineering vehicles, which are essentially tanks, uh, with the boom and the, the um, sorry to use the same word in a different context in the same sentence, and with tanks, like a, if you picture like an oxygen tank or a propane tank, it's like a bottle, a metal bottle tank, full of the CS powder, diluted or, or uh, um, uh, mixed, dissolved in a chemical called methylene chloride. 
And they had to set all this up, and it took a while. But by the time the negotiators are coming, with, coming to them on the 14th and saying, we have a new deal with Koresh, and then they're coming to them on the 18th and saying, gee, he swears he's written the first seal, and they're going to come out as soon as he's done with the seventh. They didn't want to hear it. They were already sunk cost fallacy on this tank attack. And they refused to even entertain the possibility that Koresh was dealing with them in good faith whatsoever. And so even though on the night of the 18th, the negotiator told the Davidians, there's no time limit, go ahead, get it done. And even though they knew that the Davidians were, had virtually zero drinking water left, and that the time was absolutely ticking on, their, you know, they had just collected some rainwater and it was almost gone and the feds knew it. Instead of waiting them out, which is what they said they were doing, it was seven weeks already. The policy is we don't want to hurt these people. We just want to wait them out. And instead they went in the next morning with a massive tank assault and gas attack on the house. Now, very briefly here, not to defend Janet Reno, but to accuse the FBI. They lied to her. She was new, and she was stupid, and they buffaloed her into it to authorizing their attack. That's not really to acquit her, because after all, she could have just said no. I don't give a damn what arguments you give me. We are not doing that. And she didn't. She gave in to them. But they lied to her, and they said that they knew for a fact that David Koresh was beating babies. Not just, oh, he's harshly punishing older children with spankings or something. You know, babies means under one year old, right? He's fighting them. He's kicking their asses in there. And so, and they lied to her that the negotiations are going nowhere. We've made zero progress in weeks. And she just believed them. And they basically framed it where, lady, if you don't let us go in there and stop this man from beating these babies, then you are authorizing him to beat these babies. And that's what we're going to tell everybody, too. And she gave in and told them, go ahead. Now she asked them, Jesus, is this stuff dangerous for children? They knew there were children in there. And they said, no, you know what? We actually know for a fact that the one time a child was exposed to CS and there was no permanent damage. But as Dave Hardy points out, that kid almost died. That kid had to go to intensive care. And they barely saved his life. He was caught in the middle of some cops on a hostage negotiation. And he was 10 years old. Not under five. Not a little toddler, a little baby. And Janet Reese said, well, if he's fighting the babies, I guess we got to gas the babies. So she told him yes. Now, the, the attack that they, sorry, 15 minutes. The attack that they proposed was we're going to put in a little bit of gas and a little bit of gas and they're going to come out. But there was an asterisk. If we claim that the Davidians have fired a single shot at us, we get to tear up the plan and go full bore. And that's exactly what they did within, I think, six minutes, certainly within 10 minutes of the beginning of the tank assault and the insertion of the gas, the powder dissolved in liquid. They went to full escalation and dumped every bit of the poison gas that they had into the building. And still the Davidians didn't come out. I asked David Thibodeau, why not, man? He said, because we thought we'd be shot if we came out, which is true. 
so he didn't come out. Now, the adults had gas masks, so it was extremely uncomfortable for them in there, but they could take it, I guess. The children, there were no gas masks that could fit the children, so they were all moved to the one concrete room and covered with wet blankets and towels, and that door was sealed shut, and that presumably kept them safe for most of the time. Eventually, of course, the cops just lost patience, and they went straight through the front of the house, knocked that door into that one concrete room, and dumped, in the words of FBI spokesman Bob Ricks, massive gas in there. We knew it was women and children in there. We knew that their gas masks had to be failing. And we thought that their motherly instincts would kick in and they would get their children out of there. But apparently, they don't care very much about their children. So we had the, that was the avowed policy. It was not even to torture the adults, but to torture the children to the degree that it would make their parents make a decision and change their mind and take them out of there. But of course, they were trying to protect their children. That was why they were in the concrete room. Now, I'm sorry I'm over time on this story here, but let me say very quickly that at the beginning of the raid, at 6 o'clock in the morning, and the first things that they did was they gassed the buried school buses at the north end of the building, which was a storm shelter. And there was a trap door at the north end of the building where people could escape and get down to the to the buses and then presumably they could have been rescued from there. They could have been taken out from there. The first thing the cops did was seal off that escape route with their gas. And the fire broke out at noon. And I believe that the preponderance of the evidence shows that it was the government that started the fire. It's their responsibility no matter what. If we, we go through our choices of options here, I think the idea that they deliberately, that the Davidians deliberately set the fire to kill themselves in any mass suicide is virtually impossible. There's virtually no evidence whatsoever to say that. If some of them had made that decision for the others, fine, but the ones who survived had no indication that that was going on whatsoever. And despite all their claims, the FBI has never demonstrated that that is the case whatsoever. There's also an argument that the fire started accidentally, possibly from a lantern being knocked over or from the muzzle flash from a Branch Davidian firing at a tank, possibly igniting the fire. But the reason I think it's most likely that it was the government that did it is because they found six flashbang grenades, two at each of the origins of the fire. And they also found four different military grade pyrotechnic tear gas rounds, two of them inside the building, two of them uh, fired away from the building, but still indicating that they definitely had them. We don't know the negative of how many were not found. There's every reason to believe that when the gas attack failed, the FBI decided, fine, we'll just shoot them and burn them and kill them and end it. And here's how we really know because the FBI was flying a plane overhead with forward-looking infrared, which is designed for combat, it's designed for the Department of Defense's night vision laboratory for finding gunshots. And that's exactly what it did. And you can see the footage yourself in Waco, the rules of engagement, and there's even better quality footage in the sequel, Waco, A New Revelation, as well as the third film by Mike McNulty is called The Fleer Project. 
and you can see it is just beyond dispute, no matter what government-appointed expert claims. You can see in this infrared footage, air-conditioned black figures get out of the back of their Bradley fighting vehicles and fire machine guns into the house for more than an hour before the fire started and all throughout the fire. You can see they're machine gunning the back of the house so no one can escape. And I got brand new to me from David Hardy, who again wrote the great book, This Is Not An Assault. When I was in the middle of interviewing him, he asked me, do you have the audio of Dick Rogers from HRT talking to Jeff Jamar on the, during the fire? Do you have that from the helicopter? I said, no, I don't have that. What's that? He says, oh, it's on my YouTube channel. You can get it. I said, I'll do it. I'll rip it right in and I'll splice that right into our story here, which I did. The audio is on Dave Hardy's YouTube channel and you can find it in the new podcast. Where Dick Rogers, the commander of the hostage rescue team, is on the radio with Jeff Jamar during the fire. He says, we let the North End open so hopefully some children can escape, which again is not true. They gasped the North exit first thing. But he says, we let the north exit open so hopefully some children can escape. And Jeff Jamar, the FBI special agent in charge, says hopefully nobody else. And then he held the fire trucks back. Gas, gunshots, fire, withholding the fire trucks. That's murder at least second degree murder, 76 counts. Now, of course, there's a big hoax in the court where they were all acquitted by the jury who said that it should have been the ATF on trial, not them, but they compromised with a couple of thin blue line types on the jury and found them guilty of a minor gun violation. The judge said, well, I'm going to throw out the gun violation because you can't convict somebody for using a firearm in the commission of a felony when you acquit them of the felony. But then he said, you know what? After the long weekend, I've had a chance to consider. And the, the federal prosecutor made the case, and maybe he got a phone call or a visit or had a nice round of golf and decided that, you know what? Actually, here's what I'm going to do with your inconsistent decision, jury. I think that you mean to say that they did use a gun in the commission of a felony, that felony being murder of federal agents. So I'm going to sentence them as though you had convicted them of murder of federal agents with drug enhancements for the, again, completely imaginary methamphetamine lab and drug connection to this case and sent the Davidians to prison for 15 years. It's an absolute hoax and, and its own atrocity although paling in comparison to the rest of the story. And interestingly, the Supreme Court actually struck that down and set a few of those people free after five years. Now, to wrap up here real quick, I know I'm out of time. On February the 28th, that's the anniversary of the raid. 20 years ago now, on the 10th anniversary, 2003, I was standing out in front of the Texas State Capitol protesting by myself with a sign that said, forget Waco. And that's because I think remember Waco kind of sounds too corny and trite, right? Remember Waco. And also, I hate people and I'm mocking them and criticizing them for having already forgotten Waco. They never gave a shit about Waco in the first place. 
And you know what people said to me? What do you mean forget Waco? All right, because they had no idea what I was talking about. It was the 10th anniversary of the raid of a church on a Sunday morning that culminated in the murder of 80 people. And they didn't know or care about it at all. But I had a point, which was, we're on the eve of Iraq War II. And an AP reporter came up to me and he said, what's the point here, man? You can't find it. They never ran it. But he took notes. And I explained to him, look what they're doing to Saddam Hussein here, man. They say he's crazy, so we can't negotiate with him. He's got illegal weapons. And he's bad to his own people. So we have no choice but to go in there, invade, and save the day. And it's all a lie. And it's nothing but Iraq, but Waco writ large. Don't you see? It's the same story. It's the same pile of lies that they used on the Branch Davidians. And Colin Powell's a four-star general as our Secretary of State. He's not tough enough to send over there to read the riot act to little old Saddam Hussein. Are you kidding me? How about send his old friend Donald Rumsfeld over there? He's a gruff old Defense Department leader. I bet he could put Saddam Hussein right in line. Nope, nope, nope. Negotiations are going nowhere. We got inspectors on the ground. Negotiations are making no progress. He's beating the babies. We got to stop him. We're going. And so if Iraq War II is just Waco writ large, then that means that Waco is just Iraq War II writ small. They took a piece of property, you know, not even this big, 100 miles from my front door, and they made it a foreign nation. And they made David Koresh into a foreign dictator. And then they sent the Delta Force in there to help the hostage rescue team to kill them all in a giant conflagration. And it's just the same damn thing again. And we keep doing it over and over again. And people wonder sometimes, why well, I always mention David Koresh and I always mention Waco, when the subject is Iraq, the subject is Iran, the subject is Russia, the subject is China. And the answer is, it's because the same thing, man. They keep jerking your chain and you keep falling for it. Not you, but the, the broader public out there. This guy's so bad, so we got to send our heroes to stop him. But who's really the bad guys? And after what happened in Waco in 1993, how could anyone believe in this government and its legitimacy again? How could anyone believe that our government is the good guys set out to set right what went wrong? It's just not true. They're child killers. And they don't mind either. They're happy to. And the right wing was just as bad as the liberals on it. A lot of right-wingers now like to pretend they were good on Waco, but I remember different. The Branch Davidians had thumbed their nose at law enforcement. They deserved to die, them and their children and their grandmothers too. You're damn right. That was the consensus on the Republican right in 1993, on talk radio, on the Free Republic message board, and whatever you got. And so there should be a lesson there, that after this, we should be, pardon me, inoculated permanently against the poison, against the idea that we should trust and have faith in this government or their agents to do the right thing on anything ever. The very least, knowing that they consider us the enemy, we can consider them ours, and we can at least stop being the demand for what they supply.
And that's it. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. You know, I that was going to blow your mind. No, it, it doesn't. Could be, it could be us. It could be any of us any day. It, what, what, what blows my mind is this part. And I got to do this to you, bud. I, I love you because <laughs> you got good intentions and I know you do. But Leo, bro, seriously, that could be you. Forget everything else about it. Forget the fucking child fucking and all the other bullshit. Get rid of that. What about the rest of those people? They weren't a part of that. They didn't even know that was going on. So... Where does that equate in your world? Because when I look at it, this is the way I look at it, right? So you're all probably sitting there going, wait a minute, Mick. You said before that trucker. Yes, I'm going to bring that trucker up again. He said a number. He did. What number was that? 60,000. Do you know? 60,000. How many times did he say that? Three, I believe. What's three times 60,000? 180,000. So, okay. That is a number that doesn't repeat very much in normal history. Anyway, 180,000 in this thing is kind of important because it doesn't matter. I, I can't explain it. The point is, that number is echoed in chambers of different places. And when you understand what that number means and you hear that. Actually, that was 180 million. Now you understand where you're supposed to go. And if you're listening, you understand that. Right now, I'm supposed to go pick up the kid from work. Actually, I should have left five minutes ago. <laughs> Well, he no, no, you're yeah, good. no, yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's gets out in ten minutes. Yeah, so. they're open till eleven. He's fine. Okay, either way, no, they're up until nine tonight. No, they're up until eleven. Okay. Anyway, mm -hmm. but we definitely get out of here. We do. Mm -hmm. So, all right, we will be back tomorrow. You will be. You will be too. Well, you'll be at eight a.m. Oh yeah, I'll be back tomorrow morning at eight a.m. Is Leanna going to be here for the AAM show? Yeah, but she's not going to like sit in and read with me or anything. We talked about that this morning on the Good Life. <laughs> oh, I thought she or would. We talked, we talked about that this No, no I no, thought no, no. she would. I thought she would sit no. in here and. No. Mm, no. Nope. Damn. Anyway. She can sit in the living room and play with the dogs. <laughs> I gotcha. She Thanks. can smoke a bowl on the porch. There you go. That works That's too. what I would. Uh, I'll be out there with her. There you go. So me you and her, keep each other me and Leanna, we'll, we'll be out smoking a bowl. Well, I'm reading the Bible. Read the Bible. Okay. So till then, uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow yes, night, 545 tomorrow's for my the pre-show, 6 p.m. for the regular show. Mm -hmm. It is her birthday. And happy birthday, madame. Thank you, baby. I, I love you to death. I really mean that to the bottom depths of my heart. Love you too. Love you. 
So it is her birthday tomorrow. tomorrow. So fuckers, you got to be nice. Mm -hmm. All right. Shit. Oh, shit. I do. You're right. And I'm going to be 45. So it's kind of a yeah, like, big number. <laughs> I didn't say that. Babe, I You're swear. older than I am. So I don't want to hear it. I know. Anyway, I know. All right. Hold on. We do Wait, have to go. You I, have to I, grab the, I gotta, the Zoom I, so that. And to get on TNT because Rihanna's going to get on Belushi. I know. I got to release, release the scratch, the scratch real quick for everybody. Scratches out. And uh, Liana, I will uh, grab your Zoom in just a minute. Okay. All right. We're getting out of here. We're getting out of here. Uh, love you guys. We'll talk to you later. Okay. For the Mick and VLIN. Peace. Thanks for watching, y'all. Later. Fuck around and find out